I just hit the record button because I wasn't doing that just in <laughs> case because usually I just uh, rip this thing from YouTube and so I better record it because nobody's going to get the podcast feed. Dave in the chat says, learn as you go. And he is 100% right. Um, that is the theme of my life. It is just fail <laughs> and hope you get something out of it. Uh, so let's start with what's causing all this, I guess. Let's jump into that. Hopefully you guys all saw that one. Um, I didn't actually, again, this week, I didn't watch any of the video, so I'm not 100% sure. Heard there was some funny stuff in the Eli Drake one. We'll get to that, but uh, I did not see uh, any of these videos. But I did really, you guys, uh, I think on our live show, you had already watched What's Causing All This, and you guys both were like, oh, dude, you got you to gotta see this one because it's, it's ridiculous. It's like a, uh, a class in a university or something like between two guys talking about wrestling and you were not incorrect i thought this thing was supremely educational and it blew me away uh he of course was talking with uh uh why did i just forget his name doug uh, williams and uh mm -hmm. yeah former uh tag team with uh nick aldis and just a famous british wrestler um but uh, it was uh, – so people probably recognize him, I would imagine, more from his impact days uh, and being a part of the British invasion with Nick Aldis. They talk a lot about that period, especially because they were kind of at the top of the card um, facing off against beer money, Robert Roode and uh, James Storm. So uh, just uh, – so all of it was good. I mean, what – is there something in particular that stood out to you guys that you want to hit on first with that? Oh, man, the whole thing was good. Uh, I'll say this. We are live on Twitter right now. It's literally just a shot of uh, Gary on my screen. <laughs> so I wanted to go over here just to let everyone know we couldn't get YouTube to work. If you want to watch the actual video, head on to over to uh, This Is the NWA on Facebook, and you can watch it there. But we wanted to make sure we hit up everyone on Twitter and gave them a little glimpse of it. But, I, I mean, I thought it was an incredible – talk um i mean my reaction was like man it was like going to wrestling church i mean it was like every everything i feel about pro wrestling in terms of selling and character development and in-ring work out of the ring work all of that i mean they hit on all the high points of that and right in line with what i feel and exactly with what i feel is really off in mainstream wrestling today and um just, you know, the key, the thing that, that stuck out in my head that Doug Williams said, he said, every move should matter. You know, when you're in the ring, every move should matter. It should be part of a story. And he obviously associated that with selling or lack of selling, um, things like that. But that's just something, man, it's a lost art. I feel like it's been missing in, in wrestling over the past couple of decades. And it was refreshing to hear someone talk about that. Yeah, if you're if you're part of the NWA fan community and if you're watching the Carnyland content last week, this week, I guess that we're wrapping up, you got thousands of dollars worth of uh, wrestling seminar education between uh, the Aldis and Doug Williams um, episode, and then with Dave Marquez coming on our show uh, Tuesday night to educate us. Man, it's like we got a wealth of stuff. And in that particular, what stood out for me. It's just like how, how very intelligent Doug Williams is and, and Nick Aldis is as well when he was talking about, look, he's like, 
and he, and they're they you know they're not throwing shade on anybody and they're very quick to point that out but uh he makes the point Doug makes the point that you know if you're a wrestler and you're an intelligent wrestler you're going to learn certain maneuvers so these high spots and these crazy moves that people throw on you it shouldn't work every time it's like if you're if you're learning in the ring and you're trying to sell your career as a legitimate professional the next time they try it, you should have learned how to how to counter or how to, you know, those kinds of – so it's like real subtle things like that. And the other thing that I liked was like the appreciation for British wrestling in particular. Um, like we don't understand uh, so much. We don't really think about the fact that, you know, Nick Aldis is the first British man ever to hold the uh, world's championship. Now, I know uh, Drew McIntyre is from the British Isles, and he, and he has a, t a, a belt now, but Aldis was the first to do it, and that's a big deal for, for the British. And uh, they have a certain way about things, and they have a certain uh, style, much like the Japanese and the Americans have a style. And they converse a lot about that, the conflict of styles or adapting to styles. And uh, if you're interested in, like, technical aspects of ring work and ring psychology, this is an indispensable. I mean, this is one that you need to download and play again and again in your ring. If you're someone who's wanting to, to, to get into the ring one day or make a career in wrestling, if you just want to understand as a fan like we are, if you just want to understand what's going on, it's so good. I, I, my favorite part, though, was when uh, Nick Aldis said, you know, it's like a lot of people don't know. They throw ring psychology around. They don't know what they're talking about. But really, ring psychology is just common sense. And we say that all the time. A lot of stuff that's thrown out there today just makes no sense in human nature in life it's like this is not the way people act and i love that he said that ring psychology is just common sense it's all it is it's not that hard yeah it's not it's not like a complicated science or art it's it's like yeah. I mean, it is an art but i mean yeah it's just common sense it's like if you did this move to to a guy he should react in a certain way or he, you know what i mean and that's that's what you know selling ultimately is but you know and you've talked about this too before rob but even when it comes to gimmicks like they even hit on that they're like you know if you're if you're a viking like mm -hmm. the, you, you should like you should be a brawler you know like you, your your fighting style should match your gimmick you know you should be a hard hitter right. and stuff like that you're not going to be like a flippy dippy high flyer if you're like a you know and i think we see a lot of that and it, i mean you know not knocking that i mean those guys are super talented but you know, there is like this disconnect in your head when it comes to common sense and professional wrestling when you see a gimmick not match a move set, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, imagine if Stone Cold Steve Austin was a high flyer. No, dude, he's a bar fighter. He's a, you know what I mean? He's, he, he's just going to come out there and drink a beer and punch you in the face and give you a stunner, you know? I mean, it, it's it's got to match the gimmick. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and everything you guys just said i mean rob you were talking about just the the storytelling and and that's kind of what we're i think that's the big takeaway for all of us is that yeah i i love just hearing doug explain even you know just and you maybe kind of hit on this just how everything should matter what you do that every move has a repercussion later so like if you're you know doing this one move if you're hitting the leg that's because later on the leg's going to come back into play and, and that sort of thing and I thought that was really really cool he described you know a lot of people taking dangerous moves and like working extra hard and extra fast to do all these things but sometimes it's completely the opposite of that that works like he described a match he had in progress where he won the championship there um 
and that he took like a, I think a pile driver at the very beginning of the match that put him out for the entire match. It was like, people just forgot about me, but it was like, it was a devastating move and I was done and people thought I was dead, like just outside the ring. And he's like, and then I came back and won the thing at the end, but he was like, but that was part of that story. And uh, so it was just, it was interesting to kind of see him there, uh, see their thought process on it. Um, Even, even like some sides of things you could tell in this one, one thing I thought was really cool is that all this is talking uh, he's certainly talking to his mentor here. It's not even like a peer. You can tell that there is a heightened amount of respect that uh, Aldis has for Doug Williams, that uh, that the machismo, the, the arrogance that sometimes radiates off of Aldis was not in this interview. Like it, it, um, it was a man talking up to someone like that he looks up to and, uh, just even at moments where Aldis had to humble himself and say, yes, that was a mistake I made. You know, like uh, I think uh, Doug tells, uh, he mentions Nick having an attitude at the time where they were fighting with beer money and uh, that he thought that beer money was getting too much offense during the thing and that they're getting too much on us and this is not fair. This is not how it should work. And that Doug had to calm him down and be like, look, man, he's like, this is, this is the business. He's like, it's fine. He's like, we're in there with them, and they are the top draws in the company. And every single night of wrestling, they want us in that main event. So he's yeah. like, that's what's important, and it's okay for them to look good. That's what we're here for. We're their foils, and uh, it was just, it was just kind of hearing, you know, and and all this talking about like, yeah, he's like, it's so weird that now, uh, that's exactly the opposite of my you know, my, my impression of how the thing should work. And so he's like, but yeah, that was a, a green Nick Aldis, like how he looked at things. Like I should have got more offense or something. It's so neat to see. Uh, uh, it's almost surreal to see Nick Aldis being that deferential. And there's this, this very pronounced affection that he has for Doug that permeates the whole thing. And I, I guess not to like be melodramatic or, or overstated, but I just, I just think of like, Jesus going to John the Baptist to be baptized, you know, it's like you have our king, our, our champion going and, and, and he's also, you know, he has this just otherworldly respect for Doug Williams. But the other thing that I really like was, I don't know if you guys caught this, but there was this real subtle exchange where he was talking about where Nick was saying that, uh, that retirement is in wrestling is always kind of like semi-official. And he hinted, you know, they were talking about, hey, before, you know, after All In, we had this match, and I wish it could have been a title match, but that's not to say it couldn't happen. And he alludes to the fact that perhaps Doug might make his way to a ring in Atlanta, and Doug said, yes, that could possibly happen. So, did you guys catch that? I 100% did, and uh, <laughs> I, I will say that uh, that everything. I'm trying to think of how far I could go here. I complimented the man um, in a private message on that uh, particular interview and how much better I thought each episode's going and uh, just how cool I thought Doug sounded and that I hope things wouldn't be over. And I can, I can say for sure, I think that that's not just a thing he's saying, that that's a, that's a thing in the back of his mind. I get that feeling from, from talking to Nick that he would love – to pay it back to Doug by getting him in a main event spot at some point. So I, I would not be surprised to see that, that pop up someday. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I guess that that's Gary, the- it's that it's that Gary sense. You just have it, you know. You just yeah. like, starts tingling. You're like, hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, I'm the smartest man in the room, Will, always. No. Uh, Gotta be. Yeah, no, it'd be cooler if it was like a Spider-Man spider sense, you know, or I could sense danger or like maybe I could sense my wife being angry at me for something I should have already done. But instead, I have a sense about storylines in wrestling where they're probably going to go. I can't write one. I just know where it will probably – it's the wor- most worthless uh, superhero power ever. Sorry. My wife thinks my Can't win them all. Yeah, my wife thinks I just have like the biggest storage of useless information in my brain. I don't know if you guys get that from your your wives, but that's I hear that all the time. Um, hey, what I'm going to do is that I see some people popping up on the uh, group. And uh, I think a lot of people are probably just joining up and they want to also talk about the WWE pay-per-view that's going on. So how about we do this? How about we, we talk about a Cardingland NWA thing and then we pop it to uh, a result or two from WWE. Does that sound good with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. All right. So uh, right now going on the very first matchup that happened on WWE tonight was Apollo Crews versus Andrade uh, with the U S title on the line. And uh, it looks like uh, Apollo Crews took the win in this one with the uh, spinning power bomb. Bleacher Report's given it a B plus. Uh, said it was a great match. Uh, Kevin Owens was involved. It looks like, and Selena Vega also out there. I just wanted to bring her up because Selena Vega is very hot, and I just needed to announce that to the world. Uh, if anybody did know that. What a, what a cutting edge announcement that you've made. You know what? Well, I appreciate <laughs> that you're at least chiming in for one-liners here and there. That's nice. Rob looks like he's asleep. Will's just jumped. Will got the coffee. Like, I'm just impressed that we've got like I drowned it here. The- <laughs> uh, no, we've before, got all before. these viewers on the on on uh, Will's bootleg Twitter feed. Yeah, we've got I like cut, I cut it it's off. It's like crazy. Like. <laughs> I cut it off because it was really, it was kind of ghetto. And I just wanted people to know we were live and direct them to Facebook. Like so I don't know if that worked. live viewers. That's, that's, where, that's where it's at. Anyway. Maybe that's where we should have been. How do we make that happen all the time? Can you get three yeah. people? <laughs> I think you can only do it from your phone. So it would just have to be like a bootleg version. But Well, let's not knock our Facebook viewers that are here right now. No, Brian. Brian Lang, Brian Lang's here, man. He's been putting out some killer art in the past like week or two. Just Brian tons Lang, of NWA, bro. tons of NWA, uh, incredible artwork. I love his He's style. Man, um, I think it's super cool. I try to share as many of them as I can to my stories and stuff like that. So hope you're getting some love, Brian, from the uh, from the NWA fam because you should be. Yeah, you guys got to follow Brian Lang on the old Instagram. Uh, I'll let one of these guys tell us what that Instagram is because I can't remember right off the top of my head. So uh, I think it's it's Brian Lang art. You can throw it in the chat, Brian, and we'll make sure. But I think it's Brian Lang art on Instagram. Absolutely. I love uh, um, there's been some great art come out. I really what I like about Brian Lang is like my wife and I were married in uh, we were married in New Orleans. And he's got like this uh, this house of blues vibe to his art. It seems like 
uh, primitive folk art. It's really nice. I mean, it's it's cool, but no one else is doing art like he does. And it's like I could see going to a, a freaking awesome concert at House of Blues and seeing some Brian Lang NWA art up on the wall. I'd love to have a piece in my house, man. Yeah. Hint, um, hint. Hey, and uh, if I could give another shout out real quick in the chat right now is um, – yeah, Brian Lang Art is correct, by the way, Brian Lang says. But uh, also in the chat right now, and I'm going to mispronounce this because I've honestly never heard you say this in person. Uh, so the first name, Alakan Jerome House. Uh, Mr. House runs a podcast. It's called In Your House, spelled the way that he is there, H-O-W-S-E. Uh, and he has been killing it in the uh, podcast world here lately, especially uh, – as a black man himself, uh, he's obviously, he's, he's been uh, discussing a lot with the BLM movement going on right now. And he's even made a t-shirt that all proceeds are going to the uh, Black Lives Matter. I think the bail fund and that sort of thing. Um, but it's uh, in this house, Black Lives Matter. And uh, it's a, it's a really cool shirt. Uh, but he, he has been getting a hell of a following and I've been seeing a lot of interaction and the man has been going to town on Facebook. I've seen it. I mean, I don't know. It may be more than Facebook. Uh, you can tell us, Mr. House, but uh, that guy has, he's been at least on Facebook, just steady. Like, I don't know when he's sleeping because he is steady, just engaging in conversation with people and educating and discussing, debating. I almost don't want to say debating because he approaches it in a very uh, humble manner a lot of the times when he's having the discussions, but I see it happening all over his Facebook and it's just, uh, it's fantastic. If you guys aren't friends with him on Facebook, hit him up. He's in the chat right now. And uh, that guy's uh, a real cool guy. And uh, I complimented him one day and uh, said, uh, you know, you're killing it on this stuff. And he said, I think we both are. And he had pulled up. He had the rankings for top wrestling podcasts. And uh, he's, been, he's been paying attention to us too. And we were like, I think like we were like neck and neck, like somewhere in like the 70s or 60s or something at the time for like top in the country I think and so uh or no I think it was all of iTunes like we were in we were both very proud that we were in the top 100 on iTunes for a wrestling podcast so uh we were beating the blue meanie for crying out loud the blue meanies <laughs> podcast is not doing as good as us so uh yeah so anyway shout out to him all right, and uh, so so to the WWE match, I mean, did you guys have anything you wanted to add about the Apollo Crews and Andrade matchup? No, I'm just glad overall that Apollo got a title. Um, man, he is – he's a phenomenal athlete. He's one of those guys that – like, I remember watching him on uh, – the what was the NXT show? The uh, reality show, Not Tough Enough, Breaking Ground. It was on the WWE Network. And they kind of documented – uh, a season of, of NXT stuff and on the Baron Corbin and uh, Bailey and Sasha and, and all them, that was kind of their heyday. Um, but man, I just really felt like I got to know Apollo Crews during all that. And so I'm glad that finally he's got a legitimate title. I mean, he deserves every bit of what he's getting. Uh, I'm just really, I, I let out a big sigh of relief just now when you said that he, he retained because I was just so scared that it was going to be a transitional thing. And, and he, he deserves to go on a long run and uh, not just one run. Um, so I, I just, if you've ever watched one of his matches, like he's just impressive. He's an impressive athlete. So again, he, he deserves that. And I'm glad he went over. 
I'm, I'm the same way with Apollo Crews, by the way. I, uh, I, I t- hate to say it, but I'd kind of give it up on that guy. <laughs> like, I just thought they weren't going to do anything with him. When he was at NXT, he was awesome. And uh, I, was, I was fond of him. And he had, like, he had this, like, smile and, like, just had a look that just, I don't know. It's like they, they completely lost it when he went over to the main roster, as is the story most of the time. But uh, he just, he looked like he could be a beast, like a just strong guy and athletic as all hell. And then, uh, yeah, it was just like he just faded out. And I was like, okay, well, Vince doesn't know what to do with him. I was super shocked when I saw he won the U.S. title. Uh, I did not see that coming, but well-deserved because that guy's one of the more talented people they've they've got yeah and it's a, this is another example similar to what, what you know uh nick aldis and doug williams were talking about i think the gimmick should also match the personality we've talked about that plenty on the show you know nick aldis is is you know his he's living the gimmick you know that's who he is but like i remember at one point when they didn't know what to do with apollo cruz they tried to turn him heel and if you've ever seen that guy smile, you would know there is no way he should ever be a heel. <laughs> right. He is the nicest, he's the nicest looking, like funnest, like happiest, naturally happy looking guy that you've ever seen. And it's like, if you would never dream of turning that guy heel. And I don't, I mean, one day he may, you know, pull it off nicely, but I'm just like, when you're talking about a gimmick matching, you know, character matching someone's real life persona, like he's got to be a baby face. So I'm glad that he... <laughs> you know, found, found his way back into uh, being a baby face and has gotten this title. Yeah. Well, they threw him in there with Titus O'Neil and I get that Titus O'Neil's like a big bad dude. It should be uh, intimidating possibly, but Titus O'Neil's another one that like that guy's always constantly out doing like the best things and being the best human being possible. Yeah. He's like a John Cena and like his extracurricular activities are all to help other people. So it's like, God, if you're going to turn somebody heel, I mean, these these guys ain't it, man. No. No. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's jump back into uh, some discussion on uh, NWA stuff this week. We had next up, uh, we, if you missed the Cardi Land discussion, we go live every Tuesday night. So we hit on Cardi Land in pretty, pretty large deep. Well, I mean, for the most part, David Marquez – like was mentioned, did show up on the show, and uh, that took up most of the time, like us just geeking out and talking with him about wrestling. But uh, we, we kind of covered our thoughts on Cardi Land there. Uh, next up, though, so would be – I didn't even realize it at the time, I don't think, but next up would be inside the NWA with David Marquez, uh, Joe Galley interviewing him and Trevor Murdoch. Uh, right off the bat, just going to say, happy to see Trevor Murdoch back. I have missed that man so much. It's uncomfortable how much I love Trevor Murdoch in the NWA. And uh, his absence was felt. And so it was good to see him back and talking about a subject I am quite fond of also, and that's Harley Race. Uh, What what notes did you guys uh, pick up off of this this whole interview? Because this was another uh, really insightful discussion, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, especially this week, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, activity on social media about the Mount Rushmore of great NWA world's champions and who's your top five and this and that inevitably in all of them, Harley race appears. And, uh, 
these are two men who have very intimate relationships with, with Harley, Trevor being a student at his academy, and uh, Dave Marquez producing a show that Harley um, was a co-producer and owner of during the latter years of his career. Um, so it's like, man, it was just really, really, really neat to listen to. Uh, I've got a page full of notes, but uh, I'll let, I'll let uh, Will jump in here, and then we'll kind of take it as we go. Well, I, I actually haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, so I was going to let you oh, take okay. the reins, and I, I can react to some of your notes, but I, I need to go back and listen to the, to the, uh, the whole interview. Gotcha. Um, go ahead, Gary. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, the one thing that I took away from it is I love hearing these guys talk about it. I've heard a lot of podcasts, especially around the time that Harley Race passed away, um, that uh, people told stories about Harley. But just the legend of Harley Race is so big. And then um, these guys just back it up 100%. Like David Marquez describing the first time he ever met Harley Race, he was at the Cauliflower Alley Club. And uh, he'd already been speaking with Gordon Soley about coming to do a show he was doing in like Missouri. And uh, the first time he saw Harley race was uh, him walking down the hallway, carrying a 24 pack of beer in, in each hand. And uh, he said he just like, cause he was going to be doing a signing. So I guess he needed uh, 48 beers to get through the signing. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, but he says he walks up to him and it's just like, hey, Harley, uh, my name is David Marquez. I do this kind of thing, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he's like, we just wanted to see if we could get together and, and maybe you'd be interested. He said he thought Harley kind of had the impression that uh, nothing would ever come of it. But he pointed at Gordon Soley and was like, if that guy does it, I'll be there. <laughs> and, uh, and then that yeah. was it. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, good. I've already talked to him. So you're here. <laughs> and uh Anyway, but they ended up becoming great friends. And so you get a lot of stories from David Marquez talking about Harley and uh, fights with Harley's wife and uh, that sort of thing, because she was, she was the, what the heater Trevor Murdoch called her, uh, you know, that Harley was Harley and he did Harley stuff, but, but BJ would take control of business. And uh, like uh, at one point, David Marquez and Harley race went into a jewelry store and uh, Harley was like, you don't, you don't wear any jewelry. And he's like, yeah, well, I've never been a fan. He's like, you know, it's just not my thing. And he's like, how do you ever expect anybody to take you seriously and respect you if you don't wear jewelry? <laughs> and uh, he's like, you got to let them know you're it. And uh, so he said he led him into the jewelry store, like found a ring and uh, was like, give that one to the kid. That's his. And he paid for it. And he's, Dave still wears it to this day, a ring. Uh, with two diamonds in it that Harley Race gave him. And uh, he said, which is a nice gift. But then he said that, like, later after their business broke apart, he did receive an invoice from BJ for the ring. So, <laughs> 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 yeah. but, uh, there, there's lots like of great that, stories uh, in it. Go ahead, Dave. Or Rob, sorry. I like that David, like, uh, David Marquez did not, like, try to romanticize. Like, we have this we're in this age right now where, where we look at the, the greats, like, you know, the Funks and, and Luthes and, and Harley's one of them. But, uh, uh, and we, we have this like nostalgia fetish where like, they're just like these great, perfect, you know, uh, and, but Marquez wouldn't have any of that. It's like, look, man, there's a lot of bad I learned from, from Harley. There's a lot of bad members. I remember he's like, he remembers distinctively like the, the chain smoking he points out, but he also talks about like this, uh, 
something that sort of grinded on him about the uh, the old school mentality of like giving the, the the nod or giving a chance to the newer generation. And um, he talked. Trevor Murdoch even alluded to this, where he's like, you know, uh, Trevor. I think his first the first time he's going to work was going to be against Valentine, and Valentine was very gracious to him and everything, and they're going over their spots and all that, and uh, he was going to let him get some offense on, and then. Uh, Harley overhears and he looks over there and he says, uh, he says, uh, I've got the quote here. He says, where's that? Oh man. The kid doesn't get shit. <laughs> the kid doesn't get shit. And yeah. Valentine's like, all right. And, you know, um, he goes on, Dave Marquez goes on to talk about a real fascinating um, exchange between Lou Thez and Harley race where Thez also tried to play that older generation card on Harley. You know, Harley was the first of, like, the TV champions and everything. Uh, not television champions, but the, the champion on TV. And uh, and Thez was giving them hell about that and, and all this. And uh, and uh, Race responds, that, hold on now. I remember you being a part of several works in your career, too. So uh, there's always been this sort of uh, holdover among the old school mentality not to give the nod or not to give – you know, any latitude to, to the new generation. Of course, it's weird for us to think of Harley Race as being a youngster, but from Luthez's perspective, that's that's what it was. But I just really liked how there was that, you know, um, uh, Marquez was very brutally honest. I mean, he stripped away the romance. He's like, look, there's a lot of good I learned, but there's also some bad <laughs> stuff there, too, that I could have done without. Yeah, yeah, he definitely says that uh, Harley taught him a lot about drinking, smoking, and putting together a wrestling show. Uh, Trevor has... Uh, a great story in the thing about Harley driving and being a notorious speeder, but like flooring it as he's like giving Trevor advice in the passenger seat. And it's like, you got to show respect to these people when you're a baby face, like these people pay to see you. You got to always remember to be on your game when we book you that way, because you know, blah, blah, blah. Just like telling him about all of these things about being on his P's and Q's as a baby face wrestler. And then says that Harley just speeds right past a turn he was supposed to make. And then Trevor's like, oh, hey, I think you missed your turn. So he's like expecting him to go up and turn around and come back. He says that Harley, Harley immediately slams on brakes and just spins the car around and like cuts off a dude coming down the opposite side. And uh, the guy's like hawking and Harley holds his middle finger out and is just like, F you. And just like speeds off and goes back to the turn. And Trevor's like, whoa, well, what was that? And he's like, do as I say, not as I do, kid. Uh, just cool stuff like that now uh, the the only other thing i did want to mention is uh i have been sitting here because uh dave marquez says one of the first things that harley uh talked to him about was said that he looked weak because his forearms and his wrists were too skinny and uh, said he needed to uh he needed to get that straightened out because uh you don't look tough unless you got big forearms so he said what he likes to do is he he says, you got to start off with a couple of copies of the New York Times on each side, and you just scrutch it up. Like You just try to scrutch up the New York Times, he says. And if you're a man, you'll get to where you have like 16 on each side or something. <laughs> like, scrutch it up the New York Times. That'll build up your forearms. David would say he would sit there, and like, not even in a sign of like showing off or anything, one of his habits was he would just sit in uh, – sit in the chair and like talk to you about stuff but he would take a cap off his beer bottle and he would just fold it 
over and over and over again until it was like a little BB, like a little steel BB. But it was like, uh, he's like, I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's pretty impressive. Well, I happen to have a cap right here that I have been trying to bend once this entire time and it's not happening for me. So apparently, uh, Mr. Well, you got to start with the newspapers, man. You got to yeah, start gotta... with the newspapers and work up to the caps. Yeah. That's a... why nobody's going to take this podcast seriously, Gary, until you have Popeye forearms. I got to gotta work on the forearms. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, all right. So uh, let's move back to hey, WWE. Hey. Go, go ahead. Sorry, Rob. Well, uh, uh, as we, as a good segue into WWE, there was some really fascinating discussion about Harley and uh, Andre the Giant and Harley's uh, transition over to WWF in 1986, 87 time frame, about how the that Harley had been promised the title that he would that he would beat Hogan. He talks about how Harley had body slammed Andre dozens of times around the country well before WrestleMania three and the great um, Hogan Andre thing. But he says that. Uh, you know, they wanted Harley, which is really weird to me. And I remember this, but, it didn't, you know, I didn't know. In my early days, like, it didn't strike me as anything that I would consider effeminate. It just struck me as, like, royal and princely. But uh, Marquez describes it as uh, they wanted Harley to speak in this kind of effeminate way, and Harley wouldn't do it. And so that's why he really wanted Bobby Heenan to be his mouthpiece, you know, to, to speak for him because he, he would wear the hat, he'd wear the robe, he'd do all that. But he did not want to, like, he wanted to talk tough man you know that's who harley was and uh, uh so i thought that was just really a, a good sneak uh sneak peek inside the inner workings of the wwf at a time when the wwf and the nwa did not acknowledge each other's existence and he talks about how gorilla monsoon would really put him over without without talking about him being the world's champion he says that uh, that's one reason that they did the whole king of the ring thing was that was a way to acknowledge harley's greatness without a direct reference to the whole uh, uh, being the, the, the NWA world's champion. But he also goes on to say that, um, that he would never do any, he always has to look himself in the mirror and he would never ever do anything ever to disrespect the NWA. He would not talk down about it. He wouldn't discredit it. He, he said, I've got to be able to look myself in the mirror every day. And he would never uh, say anything at all to harm or tarnish or discredit the NWA. I really appreciated that. Yeah, um, I, I think another interesting part of it too, uh, worth discussion is that um, they kind of tell this story about how, you know, going back to that Fez thing you brought up that uh, Harley was frowned upon by like some of the older generation as being a, uh, the, the term they use is the spot monkey, I think is is the term that yeah. like, which I, I've heard actually Dave Meltzer talk about that exact same thing when, when like Cornette goes off on some of the AEW guys and that sort of thing. He's like, Dave Meltzer's like, well, my whole life, that's been a thing that happens that like the generation before just heavily hates and criticizes the new version of what's coming in. So he, I think that's what he's going off when he supports any of it. But he says that guys like Fez and um, I forget who else he brings up, like uh, frowned on Harley race and thought that, like things like the flying out head headbutt or whatever were just like this is stupid yeah. this is ridiculous like this is not a move you should do and uh and that he was just too over the top i just thought that was very interesting to hear that even from uh dave and trevor that they were talking about that uh that's, that's interesting i mean it's that's the same thing you know music's the same way and different things in culture but it's just so funny 
because that's something that I guess for our generation didn't really come up until the indie scene and AEW and stuff like that. We've started hearing that term now. I don't remember ever like hearing that when I was younger, maybe just because we were younger. We didn't have social media. I don't know. But it's just hard to imagine Harley Race being <laughs> being looked at, the, you know, the way that we look at the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega and Lucha yeah. Brothers and stuff like that now. And no disrespect to them. I mean, we've talked about that before on the show. We'll probably talk more in detail later. But, I mean, like, when you talk about the spot guys now, um, it, it's hard to – like, I definitely wouldn't put Harley in that in that conversation. But I guess at the time, like, that was innovative. It was different. He was kind of breaking new ground. So, I mean, uh, Gary, uh, he – you know, Harley – Marquez points out that Harley didn't feel like anybody – was better than him, but he, there was always this kind of humility. Like, um, even in his later days, uh, Harley never viewed himself as a legend. He viewed himself as some old wrestler, you know, and that's how they perceived him. Now, you know, for us, now I remember, you guys are younger than I am. I remember Harley being active. And I remember, like, I, I wouldn't say venerating. I remember being afraid of Harley Race. Uh, I remember the whole bounty on Ric Flair's head and all that stuff. But but by the time, you know, the 90s rolled around and Harley was managing Big Bang Vader, uh, Big Bang Vader and all that, I already felt a certain veneration for Race. But it's interesting to me that Race, with all of his accomplishments, never felt like a legend. He felt like just some old wrestler that people knew. Um, he goes on to talk about how they put Race with guys like Vader and that because Race would be the one that would hold them accountable and get him to town. And he even says that, and Gary, I don't, I don't remember this specifically, especially at this stage in his career, but he says that sometimes uh, Race would have to fill in, in the ring for them if they didn't show up. Did you catch that part? Uh-oh. I don't hear you, Gary. I don't hear you, man. That's because I had it muted. And uh, <laughs> I say, it sucks you didn't hear me because I said some really uh, intense, profound <laughs> crap right then. And it's gone forever. Yeah, so it's a real bummer. But uh, anyway, uh, no, no, I, I, I don't recall that right off the top of my head, but that's, that's pretty interesting, Rob. I, know. Um, I know that I, I, I do remember them discussing a lot, though, like how the modern fan would view Harley Race. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I knew Harley Race right from the beginning. Now, he's always reminded me of my papa. Uh, so I, uh, I always kind of have a fondness for him for that, but, um, but he, uh, you know, I think when I first saw Harley race would have been managing Vader. Uh, so, uh, he was one of those guys I had to go back and learn about, you know, like I, I just, I knew of him because of that. I knew he was a former wrestler, but that was about it when I was growing up. Yeah, I remember, and you mentioned this, Rob, which is interesting, you know, being like legitimately scared of, of Harley Race. Vader was the first guy as a kid that I was like legitimately scared of. I remember like seeing his entrance and, you know, the big like Mastodon helmet or whatever, that thing that he would wear that shot out steam. And like, I remember like his feuds with Sting, like I was legitimately scared. And I think that's that's interesting that they were paired together and you're saying similar stuff about, about Harley um, because, you know, that had to feed into it. I mean, I'm sure he helped mentor Vader into that kind of role because man, he was, he was a scary dude. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I still love the yeah. story that's in the um, Flair book about, uh, I think that's where I saw it, but him talking about the match with Vader, like that one where Charlotte like took her entrance from at the WrestleMania that she made invented, the helicopter ride in and stuff like that, I think. Um, but that, you know, Vader was apparently, by all stories and accounts, uh, pretty heavy-handed and uh, would throw you around the ring and all of that stuff. And he said that, uh, I remember Flair telling the story that if you go back and watch that match, there's like moments where Flair races outside, like yelling instruction, but sometimes the instruction is to Flair to be like, you're going to have to give it back to him, kid. You're going to have to beat him, hit him, hit him. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, like, egged, like Flair on to, and, and Flair did, like Flair took it because Harley was one of those guys for him too. And uh, Flair just like, talked about how he had to wind up and punch Vader in the face and they had to start going at it. And then that would make Vader respect yeah. him a little bit more. And uh, it was just kind of an interesting story. But Flair lost his teeth in that match, if you remember. He lost uh, – he had his, his, his two front teeth were cracked. If you go back and watch the match at the end, he, he, I think he mentions that in the book. But, yeah, it was – Vader was very, very stiff. But, again, so was Harley. Harley was stiff too. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Uh, other matches so far at Backlash World, uh, if we're catching up with that card, uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks uh, fought uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and the Iconics. Super exciting match, I'm sure. And I try not to mean that snarkily, but uh, Bleacher Report gave it a B minus. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey retained that matchup. Uh, any, any thoughts on any of this so far? Uh, I mean, heel Bailey is probably one of the better things that WWE has done in the past year, turning Bailey heel. Um, you know, this is a classic example of they're building to Bailey and Sasha splitting. Uh, they should have done it last year before WrestleMania. Not even not the past WrestleMania, the one before that. Um, and they didn't. And so by the time we actually get that. It's not even going to mean what it could mean. So they're just, it's all part of that. And we all know that. And they don't think we know it for whatever reason. But, you know, they do their own thing. Yeah, I don't think they uh, have much respect for the fan base. But I've thought that for a long time. So I will bore you all with my disgust with WWE completely right now. Um, but, uh, you know. Could I'll just say this. I'll speak up as a tag team enthusiast. My biggest gripe, here's the rant I'll go on tonight. My biggest gripe is that they created women's tag team titles. Did they, did they actually put them on an actual tag team? Yes, once with the Iconics. Do they even really have any other female tag teams? No. Have they tried to create any? No. They've just taken random single stars. I mean, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, that was a good tag team. But that's still, they're, they're not, I mean, they didn't brand them. They didn't give them any kind of like tag team clout. It just felt like two single stars holding the tag titles together. And it's like, why would you even make a tag title if you're not going to build a tag division? And we know Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling. Why would they even do that? It just, I don't know. That's one of the things that, that gripes me is like, you know, tag team wrestling should be tag team wrestling and you should have tag teams winning the titles. Right. I mean, look at when we were growing up, like, those titles were for tag teams. They were for the Legion of Doom and Doom and, you know, the Bushwhackers and 
you know, stuff like that. I mean, like legitimate tag teams. It wasn't just, they didn't just take like random people and give them the tag team belts. I don't know. That's, that's my gripe. I, you know, I, I don't know what happened to Vince McMahon along the way somewhere there that he just like gave up on it because it feels like there were spurts of it where he was like, I, I've heard the stories that he, he hates tying up two guys he thinks are good, like, or where somebody could be a potentially a good single star and like throwing them into a tag team. It feels like it's a waste or something, but I don't know, man. I've, I've always been a huge fan of tag team wrestling. That's why I always tout the Crockett cup because I also love tournaments. And so like Crockett cup is heaven for me as a wrestling fan. And um, it's just back in the day, like you mentioned, it's like, uh, I mean, at one point there was the the British Bulldogs and the heart foundation. And then like, as it went on, it was like the rockers and demolition and um, even the road warriors ended up showing up in WWE and uh, God, I mean, even back to the Beverly brothers and the nasty boys and like all of these guys, there was a while while that was like a healthy division. You got it a little bit in the attitude era when you got, uh, you know, the new age outlaws and uh, APA and uh, God, I'm probably forgetting some of the head bangers and the brood. And, the brood. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all those guys. So that was a lot of fun back then. But it's like lately, like, I mean, I say lately, like, God, it's it's been like 15 years probably of like just no tag teams seeming to matter yeah, at and all. That's, and like, you know, we're, we're talking about the women's division, but look at the men's division. I mean, that's why I'm so happy for the revival, now FTR. They're actually in a company that values tag team wrestling because, man, they're going to be freaking superstars in AEW. They already are. And they've been there for two weeks. But, I mean, you look at – I mean, look at the tag teams WWE has. They've got uh, Authors of Pain, AOP. Where have they been? What are they doing right? And they're not doing anything. They've got the the Viking Raiders, you know, formerly War Machine in, in Ring of Honor. Like, those guys are incredible. they got them doing comedy spots with the Street Profits. All, and all these guys are, like, legitimate tag teams. And, yes, the Street Profits are champs. I don't know if they still are because I think they were defending tonight. I'm not sure. Apparently, according to Twitter, that was a big debacle. So I guess we'll get there at some point. But like, I mean, they've got all these legitimate tag teams. And then, you know, they'll, they'll just put the belts on a random couple of guys, you know. And I remember at one point it was like, uh, you know, in about a year ago, it was like randomly Seth Rollins and was it Braun Strowman? Or, I mean, just like random people that they were putting together. And then it was like Drew McIntyre and, and uh, Dolph Ziggler. I'm like, dude, you got a stacked roster of actual tag teams like the Revival and the Usos and New Day and people like that. It's like, why are they not running the tag team division and like, you know, headlining those mid-card things? I mean, they get buried on pre-shows and it's just obvious that it's like an afterthought. And right now it's a comedy gimmick, you know, with with the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. Like, there, there's no, there's no like, uh, what's the word we always use? Rob, when we talk about titles, um, uh, prestige. gravy, gravy cake. Yeah. Reverence, 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 cake. prestige. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like imagine picture those old WWF title belts, you know, the, the, uh, the kind of oblong shaped ones, dude, those had prestige, man. You saw those around Legion of doom and demolition and tag teams like that. I mean, that was like a legitimate, belt you look at the ones now it's like who do you who are those even synonymous with at 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 the best the new day 
you know, and they're incredible. But other than that, it's like, who do you have to speak of as far as like dominance in tag team wrestling in WWE? Nobody. Hey, can I, t- can I interject here? I want to, uh, I want to give a shout out. I've got a guy, I know we've all got our little individual watch parties. I've got a guy watching in on my watch party. I don't know if he's chimed in on the actual, uh, uh, Facebook chat, but, uh, the guy's name is Lex Lee. And uh, he is in an, uh, a tag team that's pretty prominent here in the Southeast. He runs all the, he runs the independent circuit. He's actually appeared on WWE as, uh, as um, man, Gary, uh, uh, you got to help me, Lex, out here. But his name's Lex Lee, man. He, he is, him and Kevin Coffin, they have a tag team known as Jungle Kings. And they are uh, Gary Graham. He appeared on WWE as Gary Graham. This guy is, this, this is a tag team, man, that I think is like, when David Lagana was asking us for our opinions on who should appear in the Crockett Cup, you know, local talent, uh, uh, regional talent, this tag team I think is is going going to the freaking stratosphere, man. So if you guys get a chance to hit up Lexley and Kevin Coffin on Twitter, Facebook, the Jungle Kings, man, they are one of the best tag teams out there. Speaking of tag team divisions, if you want the the WWE or the AEW or the NWA especially. To uh, to bolster that tag team division, we got to look at some of the ta- the homegrown talent that we have right under our faces. Lexley and Kevin Coffin's one of the best man. You can watch our AWA viral show and see a little bit about what they do, uh, but they're top notch man, and I, I can't say enough good things about Lex and Kevin. So I want to give them a quick plug. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, while we're giving out plugs, Jason Callie, Kaylee, Jason Kaylee, my God, is in the, he's in the chat. And uh, hey, what's up, uh, J Cal? He runs the Alliance blog, so you guys got to check that out if you haven't already because that's uh, your number one source on the web for, uh, I mean, besides us, obviously, uh, for NWA news. And uh, that's alliance-wrestling.com, so make sure you check that out. And by the way, if you haven't already, we're on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash the NWA pod. So if you guys haven't subscribed there, go ahead and make sure you do that. We'd appreciate it. We're at the NWA pod on all social medias. Just wanted to throw that in there. We do a lot of stuff usually through YouTube, but I don't know, man. This seems pretty lively tonight, uh, with at least with viewers. I mean, you guys feel free to get active in the chat. This is kind of nice. Uh, but I see people are watching, and we're getting a lot of impressions and that sort of thing. So uh, it'd be cool to hear from you guys. If you like stuff on Facebook, I mean, I'm sure I could speak for everybody here. We're not opposed to throwing some stuff up on Facebook. I'd love to see more of this on Facebook than what I normally see on my Facebook. So that would Correct. be nice. Uh, let's uh let's hit one more backlash thing here real quick uh we got a jeff hardy faced off against sheamus and i'm just gonna uh i'm just gonna read i'm just read you the bleacher report thing sheamus takes hardy down right away push hardy's face to the mat scraped off some face paint celtic warrior was clearly looking for revenge after charismatic enigma threw urine in his face on smackdown i don't know like if my parents just jump in right now they're just gonna be like what what are you talking about uh, uh, Hardy rallied, but Sheamus prevented him from hitting the swanton pop. They botched a move late in the match. Hardy almost took a header right into the mat. The charismatic enigma hit the twist of fate and a swanton, but the Celtic warrior came back with a foot on the rope. Sheamus with two broke kicks after for the win. C plus uh, Sheamus over Jeff Hardy. Any thoughts from you gentlemen on that result? Mm, mm-mm. No. 
All right. I was like, this is worthless talking about this pay-per-view. I, uh, that's good. We're like, trying Rob, to be relevant. We're trying to be relevant just, to like what's happening right now. Context, like, man. I don't know. Like I, I, you know, there's only a limited amount of time and I, I really am trying to watch NXT as much as I can because I think that's like the most vibrant stuff going on. And as no shade on what the, <laughs> what's going on on the pay-per-views and, raw and all that stuff but i just man I, I i can't speak with any authority i don't know what's going on man yeah well i i just switched this thing to gallery view uh because i, I wanted people to see that like every time i mentioned anything wwe like rob just like fades off to the side <laughs> like, it's like, he's, just, he's out i'm trying to i'm trying to acknowledge our chat oh my god that's noble, that's noble. we appreciate that yeah, and uh, James William Lawrence the third is in the chat, and uh, love that guy. He do, he runs the Ten Pounds of Gold National Wrestling Alliance fan group, which has a lot of people involved in it, and uh, we're big fans of that guy. Uh, that's why I hit this. Uh, I hit this on that group first, thinking that I might get to send it out to more, but if I only got to pick one, it was yours, Mister Lawrence the third. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll go back to some WWE, I mean, sorry, some NWA discussion here. Uh, I guess we kind of covered all the Harley stuff, so that leads us to the Eli Drake show. Yeah. Uh, Rob, is, you're shaking your head, and I, so Rob looks disappointed, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump in with my opinion. Eli Drake's show has gotten better every single week to me. And I thought this week was brilliant. And it seems like he is catching a groove and he is like, he knows what he's doing now. And, and, it, and it made a lot of sense to me. So go ahead, hit me, hit me with why I'm wrong. I'm ready to hear it. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like with, with, with Eli Drake, it's like I'm higher up than heaven and harder down than stone to quote a cure song, uh, fear of ghosts that many people, might not know but those of us who love the cure will know eli drake man it's like gosh i really want to like him and then there's like he is like from a production standpoint his shows get better and better each week he's, he's finding his groove we're learning a lot about him i really like the like the first half of his show actually this time the first i'd say three-fourths of his show was very practical that same stuff we talked about last week he showed us how to cook his meals you know and if, if you want a, an example of how to make you know how to to carb load or protein load and all this and, and package it away. It's all practical stuff. He hit again on the, the, uh, the 30 day challenge. I don't know if you've started that yet, Gary or will. Um, but, uh, and, uh, I'm not going to ask you to respond to that, but, uh, I mean, it's so positive and practical. And I really, that to me, that's the best of Eli Drake. But then as I'm loving it, we get to the very end when he does the freaking graduation thing. And, you know, I don't know he's just being tongue-in-cheek. I know he doesn't mean anything about it. But, like, I have, like, students that, that sleep on my bench outside my office because they don't have any place to go, you know. And they live for this graduation. They live for it. And, uh, and they're not getting it. You know, they're, they're, they're being robbed of it. Now, now, we're trying to – we hope we can get it in at some point. But, like, I felt like Eli, he was trying to throw some comic relief on it, but it was very flippant. You know, I mean, he, it was just – it was very dismissive of everything. And it's like, especially with the way the, the climate of the world is and how sensitive things are, this is a situation that's very, very sensitive to people like me who are in public education and, and, and some in the chat who may be listening. This isn't a laughing matter. I mean, 
you have some some students that th this is the first person in their life to, to get a chance to graduate and walk across the stage and they're going to miss it because of uh, the global climate. And I thought that the last, you know, if Eli, like many people have been doing, had been had, had done a real legitimate message to the class of 2020 that was heartfelt, it would have been very well received. But it wasn't. It was like Saturday Night Live. It was, it was crass. It's full of inappropriate language. And I'm not trying to preach about language. I use inappropriate language too. Um, but it, it just was, it, it was like, to me, it left a really bad taste in my mouth, which would otherwise have been a good episode. You know, I mean, my, my kids deserve, many of my kids, my students, I've been with for like 10 years, over half of their lives. And again, to see students that are being raised by grandparents because their parents are deceased or whatever, and have this moment snatched away through unfortunate circumstances. And then Eli gets on there. And I realize, I mean, you know, he, he's going to have a limited he didn't mean anything. I know that. Uh, so don't, don't take me wrong because I think I've been overly hard on Eli and, and I've really grown to respect him more and more, especially after last week's episode with Brian Pillman Jr. and everything. But I just thought it was unnecessary. If you're going to give a message to the class of 2020, give something positive and uplifting. Don't tell them to go and F up the world and this and that. So those are kind of my thoughts. Uh, we just need to have him on the show. I feel like you and him just need to clear the air once and for all and just, you know, hash it out. Gary, make it happen. I, I don't feel like I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to live a full life until I see Stinson and Eli Drake hug. Like I, I just, I mean, am I wrong though about that? Am I, am I like being way, am I no, being too much? You're, of, you're, I think, you're, you're not, you're not wrong. You have a very unique perspective on it um because of your position you know i don't think it hit me the same exact way but everything you're saying makes sense put put it in that context you know for me it was a comedy bit and uh i i viewed it as such and yeah. you know that's a that's a, that's a downside of stuff like that is sometimes it's dehumanized because we're used to saturday night live and we're used to things being strictly comedy and and it is what it is but you know, you definitely bring a unique perspective to the table on stuff like that. So it's, it's valid. It's legitimate. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I can, I don't have a problem with anything you said, obviously. Um, it just, and I, I do need to lighten up, man. I know I'm just, we're all kind of, everybody's kind of at a heightened states of sensitivity right now and, and all that. But we, we have a lot of friends. We live in Chattanooga and a lot of our really good friends are in the underground stand up comedy scene. In fact, Wednesday nights, for date night, we would go in, uh, to the show called Free Kittens and they would do, uh, and they still do it. It's great, but it's just local underground comedy and nothing is off limits and we laugh and we enjoy it. And, you know, we're, we're, we're conservative Republican, you know, voters typically. And we, you know, that's the way we even, but, but they befriended us. They loved us, but they would, you know, everything we believe was, was up for, up for critique during those comedy sketches. And we went in there with a light spirit, but, I don't know. I, I, I've got to change my heart and, and be more sensitive, but it just, you know, it didn't, it didn't settle with me. Well, maybe, maybe it's just where I was at at the moment, you know, but it just, and I just think, I think of this one particular student, uh, you know, that she comes in at six in the morning, she drives herself or gets, finds a way to school, sleeps on my bench because she, she has nowhere to go. And, and we let her sleep, you know, and then she goes off to class and she does good. And she's graduating this year, man. She's graduating. She made it. You know, she she defied every obstacle in her way. She should not have made it. 
but there were teachers in her lives and assistant in a, a school administration in an environment that uplifted her and she made it across. And I want to see Eli Drake, who is one right now is one of the top good guys in our company. I want to see him honor them, you know? So that that's, I guess where I'm coming from. It's hard to tell you that you're wrong. I mean, that's an opinion and I think you're absolutely entitled to it. I'm, I like Will, I, I think I wouldn't have seen it from that perspective. I didn't even think of it that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the tough part with, I don't know, maybe even comedy in general. Like, it just sometimes it hits a place that is more sensitive to some than others. And uh, it's not that you're wrong, or I think that that's a, you're closer to that sort of thing than a lot of us are. So we wouldn't necessarily right. see it for that. And uh, as you say, that makes perfect sense. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough. I I. I uh I think when I heard it, like you know, just like uh, if you're everything's all left up, it's probably something you did, you know, look at yourself or something. I don't know. Like to me, it was funny. Like I just was like, yeah, that's a that's clever. But uh, now I, now I feel depressed that I watched it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's me, man. Like I, I I'm really one thing I'm learning from you guys is, uh, and I, I really try hard to have a teachable spirit is to lighten up about some things i just you know for me i mean uh the nwa is like like very important to us it always has been and and uh and i look to uh you know i mean i want this positive message and, and especially right now with every the world being so dark and everything and i just didn't feel like that last little little tidbit of, from what was an overly positive over you know very practical episode the last 10 minutes, man. Just like, eh, it's like, eh, that kind of, that chapped me a little bit. <laughs> I yeah. Just, I, when I hear that, I see my students, you know. And, 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 you know, that, that part of it, like I, that part of it breezed by for me. Like I didn't even think of like when, when we jumped into talking about the Eli Drake show, like that part of it wasn't even like the first thing that came to my mind, which is weird because I mean, I think they even made an effort to make that the focal point. They, they had it as the title. So I'm not giving anybody uh, a pass on that. I'm just saying like for me, the parts that stood out that I was like, Oh, this is what I loved in this show or what I think gets better is that you could hear the happiness in his voice. Like that the 30 day challenge, uh, you know, was clicking with people and that uh, he wanted to get into the diet stuff. And I thought all of that stuff was like practical, useful information. It makes it, uh, I, for me, when something educates you like that uh, about something that you're interested in, it, it makes an appointment uh, viewing or listening. So that part of it is, is the reason I keep tuning into the Eli Drake show for me. It's just like interesting. It's like, hey, here's a guy who clearly knows what he's talking about as far as fitness goes. Uh, I am interested in what he eats and what he does for a workout and advice he has. That's That's cool stuff to hear. Yeah, last week's up. The last week's iteration battery of content, man. The Eli Drake show. I shocked you guys all. That was my favorite episode all week. You know, so good, and and I really like this one too. Up until you know, minute fifty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Will, Will, did you have anything you wanted to add there? No, no. Well, uh, Oscar fought Nia Jax tonight. That happened. Did she? Yeah, and, uh, they uh, it ended up going into a double count out, uh, so Oscar retained. Bleacher Report gave it a C. Uh, so 
I think Oscar was just happy to not be injured. Yep. Probably. He gets to live to see another match. Thank, thank the Lord. Braun Strowman fought The Miz and John Morrison for the Universal Championship. Uh, I think he just he just beat them. And so that'll help you feel worthless, I guess. This I'm going to be honest with I you. It. I hate I hate, I'm, I hate I'm, I missed it, you know? <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like reading these results out and I'm like, I am definitely so far not interested in ever seeing this pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> so good. Well, let's just, uh, let's do one more. Drew McIntyre fought Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. That could have been good at one point. Two guys that were in impact for a while. What? It could, be, it could be good now if it was booked properly and the storyline made sense, but go ahead. What happened? Tell us. Uh, lastly, countered a Claymore with a spear to get a close two count before Lana made her way down to the ring. She got on the apron and accused the ref of cheating. McIntyre ended up knocking Lashley into Lana, who fell into MVP's arms. This led to the champion hitting a Claymore to retain the title. B- minus from uh, Bleacher Report. So ending that I don't think I've ever seen before. Like the that the woman so gets Lana, on the apron and distracted Lana, and she gets Lana came in and accused the ref of cheating. Lana, whose main storyline over the past year was that she cheated on her actual husband in kayfabe. Okay. Yeah, this is all making so much sense. Yeah, I feel like uh they're on their way to ending the Bobby Lashley and Lana relationship, probably, which, you know. It's time because I don't know why. <laughs> it just, you know, just is as it is. Uh, and uh, wait, the the street puppets, the street puppets, the street profits <laughs> versus the Viking Raiders. They're all tag titles. Uh, was it a parking lot? What? And uh, yeah, so I I was interested to hear this write up because I was seeing all over Twitter people comparing it to the fallout from the stadium stampede and kind of the uh, the people that hated that and that being sort of similar so what did they have a write up about it what, what all went down well since you're interested I'll be happy to read it here because I was not going to read the thing but I did see a line in the analysis that made me think like wait what I gotta go back and read this I'll tell you what that line was Having Tazawa lead a group of ninjas was a weird twist. And I was like, wait a minute. What what did I what did I miss? So um the fight started out in a parking lot. Eric ended up getting slammed on top of Strowman's car, and all four men took out took off out of fear of what Strowman would do to them. They kept fighting backstage and incorporated several props from their previous competitions. They agreed to put weapons down and fight like men. At one point, Angelo Dawkins tackled Ivar through a glass pane near the performance center entrance and they fought in the parking lot. Several people broke, pulled up on motorcycles. It was Akira Tozawa who revealed himself as one of the bikers and gave a quick promo in Japanese. The Raiders and Prophets joined forces to battle the squad of enemies. This quickly turned into a comedic brawl outside between the two groups Tozawa eventually brought out a huge masked man to face them, but Ivar summoned his turkey leg like Thor calling Mjolnir. Mm. After they escaped on a production truck, 
all four men ended up in the dumpster. The video ended with them trying to escape a monster that looked like it was right out of a movie, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, oh, a movie that they would roast. Uh, analysis was, this ended up being somewhat of a surprise cinematic match, complete with soundtrack and flashbacks. It came out of nowhere, so a lot of people were probably thrown off by this presentation. Even though this didn't make sense, it was a fun showcase of the comedic chemistry between these two teams that they've built up over recent weeks. Having Tozawa lead a group of ninjas was a weird twist, but anything that gets him on a pay-per-view is a good thing. There was a lot to like about this, but many fans will probably have preferred to see them settle their feud with a real match. That is the Bleach Reports analysis. I got disturbed reading that recap of the match. <laughs> so there were ninjas, uh, they summoned a turkey leg, like Thor's hammer. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff there. Is anyone just real talk? Has anyone like checked in on Vince McMahon lately, just personally, to see if he's okay? Maybe just like talk to him, just just try to have a conversation yeah. with him. Just like, yeah. hey, buddy, here's what's here's going the thing. on with you. <laughs> and I know you've probably started watching this and you're like, why are they talking about backlash? Why don't they talk about NWA? If this analysis of a WWE pay-per-view does not make you want to watch NWA more, I don't know what will like this is it's getting out of hand in my opinion. And this is someone who has been primarily a WWE fan for the last, you know, since 2014 up until like 2018, early 2019. Like that was primarily the wrestling that I watched like religiously. And it's like, you know, I can't even watch it. And I mean, I'm reading a romanticized recap. I mean, they gave it a B minus. Is that what you said? That's what these guys gave it. Yeah. After that recap and it was a B minus. I don't know. That's. Um. To make up for it, though, apparently the word I'm getting is um, that Edge versus Randy Orton, while probably not the greatest wrestling match ever, was actually pretty darn good from everybody I see. And that it was very Matt-based in an actual wrestling match. So for what that's worth to you folks. Um, well, if you didn't see, the way that Edge uh, tweeted all week this week was priceless. Everything he tweet, he was tweeting about just common everyday things, calling it the greatest, just had the greatest cup of coffee ever and all this stuff. And it was, it was hilarious. I mean, he was, it was so self-aware and, um, you know, almost kind of trolling WWE a little bit for their, <laughs> their promotion of this event, like, you know, how's he going to put on the greatest wrestling match ever? You know, he hasn't wrestled in an actual, you know, technical wrestling match in 10 years, you know? So that, I just thought that was really funny. And that, that kind of put him over in my mind. Cause I'm like, Hey, he, he gets it. He's not, he's not trying to like buy into this crazy hype. He just wants to wrestle, you know, and he's, he's earned the right to be in the position he's in. And that's great. And I, I've always been a fan of Randy Orton. Like, I know there's polarizing opinions on him, his in-ring, his, you know, how he's gotten to his position and his, his checkered past. But I think, you know, he's, 
he's he's a legit guy and you know that match i'm sure is great um but yeah greatest wrestling match ever that was that was a little bit of a stretch for me i don't i don't hate randy orton by any means i think he's he's pretty good i think he seems honestly i've always considered him pretty intelligent for uh uh, he is doing only what he has to do to get through. And so it takes a special something to, I think like edge coming back actually sparked something in him that made him want to do well. And it sounds like they, that even carried over into this match, but um, uh, will you, you obviously saw, I don't know if you're going to cover it in a, Hey, it's will dot daily, but he and Champa's interaction back and forth with each other. Cause that was pretty priceless. Yeah, that- that was interesting. I've got theories about that. I think we discussed a little bit in our uh, oh, we might have. Discord Discord channel. So if you're not, if you're watching this on Facebook and you're a new to the show, uh, we have a Discord channel, Discord server that we do a group chat on. Um, join us in there to chat about NWA. We've got a channel in there for other promotions where we talk about uh, WWE, AEW, stuff like that. And I think that was a topic of discussion on that channel this week was um, Randy Orton's tweet about leg slapping, um, which obviously is a reference to the young guys and the amount of super kicks and leg slaps that they do uh, over in NXT. And so, you know, I don't know if it was a work or if it's legit. Ciampa replied and uh, compared he said that Randy Orton's matches were better than NyQuil for his kids, put him to sleep uh, right. right away. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, WWE's been doing a lot of cross-promotion. They had Charlotte win the NXT title to go over there, and I think they are taking steps to elevate NXT. I mean, I'm pretty sure Randy Orton and Triple H have a good relationship and are fond of each other. I could totally see Triple H saying, hey, after this Edge thing, you know, especially now that we're getting word the edge might be injured. Uh, so what's Randy Orton going to do moving forward? Well, let's have him pop in and feud with Ciampa and some guys over on NXT, bring some legitimacy, some more legitimacy, um, and more audience to, to that stage. I can see that happening. So uh, like you said, Orton's a smart guy. He's also smart on social media and a lot of the stuff he does, I think is very strategic. Uh, he doesn't seem like a guy that just shoots from the hip a lot. Um, even though he seems like he, he might be, I think it's all calculated. And so I would not be surprised to see him show up, you know, in a month or two over on NXT and see a payoff of, of this little Twitter feud. I think you're right. Um, I see, I see folks like Kerouac in the chat saying that he'd be uh, paying attention if uh, the mystery science theater 3000 guys were uh, also watching the movie down in the corner. I agree with that. I'm a big mystery science theater 3000 fan. So that does sound kind of awesome. James William Lawrence says he hasn't even seen any of the cinematic matches. It was weird. The first one got me like the undertaker matchup with AJ styles. I was sold. Like I was like, that's pretty cool. The next night, Cena and the Fiend happened, and I was like, oh, this could be dangerous. Like, I don't like this. A lot of people were still fans at that point. Now, it just keeps going, and I don't know. Whoops. I have. I heard, I heard one of the best assessments of that I heard on a uh, What Culture Wrestling podcast this week. Um, if you do want to keep up with WWE uh, like I do, but you don't want to watch it, you just want to know what's going on and you want to hear like 
pretty smart like takes from actual wrestling fans the what culture wrestling podcast they do daily podcasts where they talk about news and they review raw and smackdown and nxt and AEW and all that um that's the place to go because these guys are not wwe shills they're not they don't put everything over they are like they they it's it's like if we did a wwe podcast is what it feels like which we never would because i would never devote that much time to it but um they were talking about it on there and they said it just seems like that they brought up the idea of cinematic matches and then they did the undertaker and uh, the wrestlemania matches which you just mentioned undertaker and then the fiend and those were so successful because they just let those guys and like that team handle that and then it was almost like after that wwe said oh we can do this and then all the normal people that screw everything up creatively jumped in and they're like oh we're doing cinematic matches now and so now it's just like the wwe version of cinematic matches and it's not at all the level that it was in those wrestlemania ones so it's unfortunate but yeah we we uh we didn't really expect much more yeah i don't think i expect anything out of those anymore uh the next thing up on nwa would have been girl power i always feel like i'm gonna say that girl power is always harder for me to talk about like uh as far as what actually happens this week it was a uh, camille interviewing uh duke women's basketball player jenna frush and wnba uh atlanta dream player elizabeth williams and then it was very good it was a really solid discussion and camille's got some skills uh i'm glad she's talking now because she's she's very good at it and she does a great job uh talking to these ladies and it was i was engaged the whole time it was an interesting uh conversation so it's just that it's one of those things that like uh especially in this one there were it was coming from well god no all of them so far have been in a perspective that like i don't really feel qualified to tell you exactly what stood out because i mean we've had one that was based around uh targeted like harassment and that sort of thing in social media then last week had something to do with the black lives matter and that movement and then in this week's it was uh it was more light this week but it was still a discussion about female athletes and like in in, in handling things as a female athlete and handling pressure and and that sort of thing so it still is like one of those things that because i am neither female nor an athlete so i uh i have not i got nothing but uh did you did you guys both hear this one yes yes um and and since i am both an athlete and i i mean <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> uh I, yeah this was a lighter listen than, than previous episodes of being uh there's a couple of issues with, with this particular stock of Carneyland content. It comes on Friday. Friday's tough for a lot of people. Um, it, uh, it, it does come up from a distinctively female perspective. So you're right, Gary. There are things that we're not going to immediately identify with. But it's good to, to, to get that perspective. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that Camille really did that was rewarding in this episode is she, she tried to, to show the, uh, the cross sport uh condition of women athlete uh, of women athletics whether it be basketball or pro wrestling and she uh, drew out some of the common threads i really liked how at the very beginning 
she uh, she was teaching both um, Elizabeth Williams and uh, Jennifer Frush how to put themselves over. She gave them a little class on, you know, putting yourself over is this. So you got to brag about yourself. You got to be real obnoxious. And, uh, of course, Jenna, Jenna seemed real, <laughs> very uh, apple pie, American, you know, traditional. And uh, she finally got into kind of talking about herself and it never really uh, – and never really reached a level of bragging with them. Elizabeth Williams had no problem asserting her achievements and this and that. It was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It, it, I agree with you. It was very engaging. I was interested the whole time. Um, I like basketball. Um, I'm not a, uh, uh, we grew up, uh, we lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So my brother and I grew up UNC fans and didn't care much for, for Duke, but uh, we were always respected them and revered them, kind of like Braves fans respect and revere the Yankees. Um, uh, but it, it was interesting dialogue. All right. Well, uh, that wraps it up for Cardiland stuff. So what do you guys want to talk about from here? Any WWE news or things you want to discuss? Or do you guys want to just buy me some time so I can go pee? Because I really have to go pee. So, uh, there's people in the chat, uh, if you want to engage with them, James William Lawrence is in there. Uh, he backs Will up on Wrestle Talk, I think. Uh, I, I actually, I didn't mention Wrestle Talk. That's one that I do want to listen to. Um, so thank you for, uh, putting them over in the chat. I'm going to check them out this week <laughs> because as I said, man, I mean, the only way I keep up with WWE is through various podcasts and stuff like that. I know Rob, you don't really have a desire to and, and that's fine um but you know i like to know what's going on in in the world of wrestling but um and it's not that i don't have a desire to it's 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 a matter of like an order of merit for me if i had all the time in the world i would i mean i think that there there's great talent in the wwe and there's it's all like you always say the wwe is you know what's good for for one is good for all you know what i'm saying if they're doing good things it elevates all of wrestling and they are uh, when people think about pro wrestling, they're the promotion that people uh, most immediately go to. So it's, it, it, it benefits us for them to do well and for them to do things that, that uh, are positive and uplift the sport of professional wrestling. So, you know, I don't have anything – just because I'm an NWA guy doesn't mean I'm not, you know, pulling for AEW or Ring of Honor or WWE or Impact or New Japan to, to do well. I think if they do well, the whole sport does well. Uh, I just I, I am more along the lines of I want to I want um, professional wrestling to be taken seriously as high culture and as a serious legitimate performance sport. And I think far too often, like we've alluded to earlier tonight in the in the, uh, in the chat and so forth, the WWE lends its uh, uh, tends towards cinematic type stuff, you know, stuff that that stretches the limits of credulity. AEW is doing that some. Uh, less so but but they're doing it as well so it's not it's not you know i'm not that that works for somebody that worked for me uh, i i like uh, what we do in the nwa with a uh, more prize fighter you know legitimate um straight up athleticism you know matches where you might have guys that are over guys that aren't but you're going to more or less have clean matches under traditional uh circumstances and traditional rules and so for me, it's like the, the WWE has just gotten to the point where it's too much to keep up with. If I had unlimited time, I would keep up with it. But you know how it is. You, you've only got three commodities. You've got time, quality, and quantity. Of those three, you can only ever have two. If you've got unlimited time, 
then quality and quantity is not an issue, right? Mm -hmm. If quality is an issue, then you're going to have to give up quantity or, or time. If quantity is an issue, then you see how that goes. One of, one of the, th you, you can get two of the three, quality, time, or quantity, but not all three. I love so if we press him hard enough, we eventually get some education uh, <laughs> out, of, out of the dock. If we keep pushing it. No, I mean, it's, it's true. And for me, it goes back to, you know, the Aldous Doug Williams conversation about psychology and common sense. That's the disconnect for me. And so it took, like I had been feeling that for a while, but when I uh, jumped over to NWA and started really consuming everything on YouTube from 10 pounds of gold to current, I was just like, oh man, now I remember wrestling can make sense. Like storylines can make sense. R matches can make sense. Feuds can make sense. Like I had just gotten so used to that not it not making sense. And I just thought like subconsciously that was something I was going to have to deal with as a wrestling fan. I still liked wrestling and the fanfare and the, the atmosphere and stuff like that. And so I was, guess I was just going to have to get over the fact. And so that's why I, I jumped in so deep with NWA and now I, you know, preach the gospel of NWA to all wrestling fans because it's like, Hey guys, there's a better way. You know, there's, there's, if you like pro wrestling, imagine pro wrestling that makes sense, you know, common sense, come on over and watch. And that's kind of, that's where I'm at now. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm on this show. That's why I'm part of the NWA fam and, and have found, you know, real community centered around real wrestling and, uh, stuff that makes sense, stuff that I can get behind, stuff that doesn't insult me and my intelligence as a wrestling fan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, again, like I say, I keep up with it because I, I enjoy wrestling culture. I enjoy, I know a lot of those uh, talents, not personally, but I know who they are and I've come up with them um, and, and watched them grow. And so, I, you know, it's interesting to me when Drew McIntyre becomes champion because I'm familiar with him. Um, it's, you know, WrestleMania will always be WrestleMania, you know, cause my whole life it's been WrestleMania and, um, I hate that it's become what it's become, but you know, I'm not gonna just slough it off, um, and ignore it, you know? Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm with you guys on the time thing. I don't watch WWE regularly. I have the network right now and I you may have just canceled it again, but I only have it to watch the old stuff. Like I, I legitimately got on there for the first time in a couple of weeks, like the other day. And it was just cause I was doing stuff around the house and I threw on an old, uh, like WCW pay-per-view and watched it. Uh, that's, yeah, that's watch, literally what I have it. Watch, I watched clash of the champions, 1990, one of them from 1990. I think they were doing a couple of year at that point, maybe. Um, but it was, I, I'm trying to like go in chronological order because we watched Starcade 89 a while back. So uh, I'm just kind of following the pay-per-views and Clash of Champions from there. And it's just really cool. This one was Sting and Ric Flair for the title as the main event. Um, there was some other great matches in there. Steve Austin was U.S. champ against Johnny B. Bad. And he, uh, he lost the belt i think like multiple titles change hands and it just reminded me how like cla how prestigious clash of the champions used to be um as like it wasn't a pay-per-view you know it was on tbs um but back then i mean that was the you know they had the studio stuff that came on 
Saturday nights and stuff like that. But Clash of Champions was live and it was always a huge deal. And uh, man, it was it was it was fun to watch. You know, if you do yeah. have the network and you're paying Gosh, for it, go watch all the clashes. Yeah, yeah. Some of the greatest matches that 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 are underrated because we're from Clash of the Champions, obviously Sting Flair. But then you got like Flair versus the natural Butch Reed, man. What a great match! And you had the great Flair Funk. I quit, man. Man, I mean, you got some of the greatest. You got the Freebirds. I mean, it was like there's some of the best matches ever came off of Clash of the Champions. But then again, you know. Uh, I wouldn't get a lot of WWF content growing up, but I would get Saturday night's main event. And there was some important stuff there too, you know. I mean, before things went just wacko, um, I, I can't I can't say that I didn't watch those either, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean it was, go ahead, I'm sorry. It, it was great. It was great back then. I mean, I watched a I can't remember what WWF pay-per-view it was from the early nineties. Um I mean, it might have been like a Royal Rumble or something like that, but like, it it was it was the same. The quality was the same. Um, there was a high focus on tag team matches, which I really appreciated, obviously, and um, it was really enjoyable. It's just that you know WWE slash WWF still exists today, so there's an apples to apples comparison. It's the same company, same same ownership, things like that. Um, we don't have that in like a WCW and NWA obviously is new ownership now. And, and we're, we're trying to get back to the roots of, of what the NWA was about. Um, especially as far as creative and, and in-ring work, character work, stuff like that, promos, but we don't have an apples to apples comparison. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything back then was elevated and I think it was because the NWA was present. WCW was present. Um, and so, you know, WWF had to follow suit. And it's almost when when WWF became like, you know, the big monster that had, had consumed everything else that it kind of went off the rails. I think the power like had them, you know, go off the rails and start doing their own thing. And um, there wasn't any really accountability anymore. There was no measuring stick for pro wrestling at that point. They were it, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see like the world's uh, opened up to a lot of opportunities. I I feel what I feel terrible about is that the NWA is not in a position to put on a show right now because I feel like they would destroy. They would they would I, I don't know. Like I just feel like if they can make something happen as far as wrestling goes, they would do so much of a better job here. But again, I say that, and that's as a NWA shill, I guess. But also that the studio wrestling vibe is something I dig very much and, and maybe it wouldn't work uh, present day. So since you can't have anybody in there, um, although I don't know, maybe if you got like 20 people in the studio, maybe that'd be loud enough. It could be fun. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to, not going to, if you got 20 other, 20 of the right people. Right, right. 20, 20 people that want to get crunk about some wrestling. Uh, did you guys happen to see? I was I was looking at uh, Mr. Lawrence uh, put in the chat uh, that AEW and WWE both look like dance routines as opposed to wrestling in there, and I can see exactly where that criticism comes from. Did you guys happen to see? Uh, and maybe you covered this, and I missed it, but the the revivals debut match. Did you see that? I didn't see the full match. Uh, I, I read a recap, listened to a recap of it, but. Um, it sounded cool. And the one thing I did want to bring up from, 
from an NWH perspective, um, they rebranded their finisher. Oh, it's, they actually didn't finish the match with it, so I don't know if they called it a finisher, but uh, it was called the Shatter Machine in WWE, and now it's called the Goodnight Express, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw and, that. You know, so, I mean, obviously that, that's got to be a little homage uh, to – Maybe Midnight Express. I know they've been um, talking about Cornette. Why do you say that? And, uh, you, I don't know, man. It's just a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought that was actually pretty clever. That was that was pretty good, man. Uh, yeah. No, they – they. Uh, I actually even checked in on old Corny just to see what he thought about it. I wanted to hear if he watched it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Love him or hate him, and a lot of people hate him, so don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, I, he has a voice, and he's knowledgeable about wrestling, so I like to check in and just hear what he's, what's what's going on in his brain about some stuff. And, uh, and he was a huge fan of that match also. And uh, I forget the uh, – uh, just he was watching Saturday Night Live at a, at a wrestling match broke out, I think is how he described it. So, you know, he was, he was a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say this too to to the assessment that it, it's it's like uh, dance routines. I get that too, and and that was I was really hopeful about AEW when when they first launched. Um, I went to Dynamite when it was in Charlotte, um, and it was a great, I mean, better than any WWE show I've been to in years. Um, but it does; it feels heavily um, choreographed. And that's one of the things, too, when you talk about common sense. I mean, if you got guys fighting, right, you, like when was the last time you saw a bar fight that felt really choreographed? <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe you've never seen a bar fight. I don't know. But like, you know what I mean? Like it, it takes away that that idea that like what you're watching is real and, and that like you're not going to see a fight break out in an alley somewhere and the guys have a, an obvious routine of running and jumping over each other and doing all this stuff and like you know people applaud at the end of it it's just it's cool and, and again I get how that is entertainment for people but that's not my view of professional wrestling yeah I, I think uh, I think that there's a good argument that that's not a lot of people's vision for pro wrestling I think we're Seeing it more and more. I, I think the NWO is definitely targeting that audience. And uh, I think, you know, when I was listening to Cornette's podcast, you know, he mentioned their listenership and uh, the reason that he goes so hard on uh, AEW sometimes. And, you know, you, you take everything with what you have in front of you, but at least from his opinion and the numbers that they're given, they have a pretty wide audience. And uh, it's all people who do not want to see AEW. And uh, it's people that don't want to really watch WWE, but that's just the one. And so, like, WWE is everybody's, like, default. Like, you hope you get there one day. That It's just like, well, I want to watch some wrestling somewhere. And so, like, WWE is, like, the fallback for when you get desperate. I don't know. It's I, I say that. it's Obviously, it's the most popular wrestling in the universe. So I'm not trying to knock it that way. I just mean that... People assume that's that's wrestling. That's like the default answer for what professional wrestling is. It's just too bad. But um, it's just interesting that that even he seems to have an audience that is looking for something else. So I'm interested. I, I would be interested for like Corny to put up a poll of like what are his people watching? 
you know, like what, what is it that you go to? Like, who are you checking out? Is it MLW? Is it NWA? Is it ROH? Like who out of these other companies, if you're, if you're so down on AEW and WWE? Well, the one thing we hadn't talked about, I talked about on, on uh, yesterday's show is, you know, David Marquez and his United Wrestling Network uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood and Arizona. Um, you know, J. Cal put out a tweet um, encouraging, uh, encouraging us as NWA fans to check those out. Um, because, man, when it comes to comparable quality uh, things like that, I mean, that's probably the closest, much closer than AEW to what we as NWA fans love. And there's a ton of content on YouTube on all those channels. Um, so go check those out. Uh, the United Wrestling Network has been posting a lot of uh, historic NWA matches. Um, and I mentioned on the show, but one that we talked about here uh, was, you know, the match between Sean Waltman and Brian Danielson um, or Daniel Bryan. And, from like Perth, Australia in, in 2007. So an incredible match just to see those guys at that point. Um, you know, Waltman after his, his heyday in the WWF and WCW and then Daniel Bryan just, you know, becoming popular and to see those two meet just stuff like that, man. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we love. And it was a real wrestling match, real story told start to finish but the crowd was into it. It, it it was awesome and so that kind of stuff is out there uh, and that's what I've had to learn because I too was under the impression for a long time well if I'm a wrestling fan I got Monday Night Raw I got Smackdown and I got NXT and I got now I got AEW so I was super excited about AEW because it was new but I, I just didn't even realize that the NWA and this uh, you know UWN and and championship wrestling stuff was even out there and so accessible you know and i think once people learn that it's that accessible you don't you don't need you don't have to go watch something that doesn't doesn't do it for you as a wrestling fan there's plenty of real wrestling out there and i heard you know i think marquez was tweeting they were setting back up and i think they may be doing some empty arena shows in in the championship wrestling studio but you know, we might be getting some some new wrestling coming out from 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 Hollywood, so that'll be cool to watch. And so, go check those out and and become a follower of of that, and um, you know, expand your horizons when it comes to wrestling. There's more than just two options. That's a that's a really good point. I mean, the the tough part that that happens for people is I think that that people see. Like WWE's just made so much money already. Like this this year could have gone completely to hell in a handbasket, and they would still be making money. Like there's no way that WWE's going anywhere for a while. Uh, so it's important to know though that you do have options out there, and they're becoming more and more readily available. So I would encourage everybody to to go out there and explore and discover what other wrestling options are out there. Obviously. I'm a huge fan of the NWA and I'm going to always point you in that direction. But right now, given the circumstances, it's tougher to come by. Um, but there is plenty in the archives. You've got 21 episodes of NWA power. You've got three pay-per-views that have happened since power launch or two pay-per-views like four or five total pay-per-views. So there's plenty to catch up on. If you, if you're not following along with the NWA, now's a perfect time, but, but also, yeah, there's on YouTube, uh, there's uh, MLW, 
Uh, Fight TV, by the way, is a free app that you can download, and uh, and, and it, it carries NWA power, but it also carries what Will was talking about, championship wrestling from Hollywood, championship wrestling from Arizona, championship wrestling from Houston now, I think, too. And so uh, David Marquez's stuff, if you're a fan of him on NWA, and you, you saw him maybe on our live show, too, Marquez is – he knows his wrestling, man, and, and they've got some good stuff. And you you will see a lot of the superstars that you're familiar with from the National Wrestling Alliance on championship wrestling as well in Hollywood. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm getting a note from uh, from our old buddy Elder Sowers and, and uh, hitting me up uh, here saying, yeah, MLW is free on YouTube. You can check that out. Uh, give it a watch. It's uh, there's There's plenty to see. Uh, out there for you and it's it's important for you to engage and support those brands because if you want an alternative if you're one of these people that we regularly see fall like showing up in our timelines or uh in our chats like talking about how annoyed you are with what aew and wwe present then this is your time to shine because the internet is a big wide open world for you to express your opinion and also, the best way to do that is by supporting the stuff that you're into. So, find one of those brands, and one of them's bound to have something that you're super into. And uh, and and I, I'd say just like get on board with somebody, show them some love. That's what we're doing with NWA, and and I'm sure the other brands would love having that kind of support as well. Yep, and, and Jake Al said it in his tweet too, but. You know, obviously Marquez is, is tied to NWA. He's he's a um, an on-screen talent um, with NWA, and they recognize the NWA titles. Um, and so, I mean, that's as close to a, a sister promotion that the NWA has. And yeah, I mean, when I pulled it up and I started watching some some of the latest uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood that was on uh, YouTube, the first match was Zicky Dice um and anthony idol and i mean that was you know i was immediately drawn in because i'm familiar with zicky dice he's our tv champ so um there's a lot of crossover there and a lot of you know, obviously if you watch 10 pounds of gold you saw those those title defenses at championship wrestling um from hollywood before power launched um between Audis and tim storm and um, stuff like that and so yeah go check those out I mean you know I, the main thing and, and we're we're talking about <laughs> backlash on and off just because you know we we want to pull some people in that maybe aren't aware that there's better options <laughs> out there and so you know we obviously we encourage you to check out NWA Power um, and everything on YouTube but yeah there's tons of stuff out there well we get oh, it uh, go ahead Rob sorry I was just saying, James William uh, Lawrence III uh, said that uh, we should get Marquez for an interview, and I was going to point out that uh, if you go back to our uh, go back to last week, he was on here for a couple of hours, uh, almost it seems like, <laughs> for some some good good very enlightening discussion. So go back and listen to that. We we talked about just about everything. It seems like. Yeah, uh, James, if you if you haven't checked it out, uh, last this past Tuesday he. He was our special surprise guest. He showed up on the live show. And, yeah, like Rob said, uh, Marquez talked for a long time with us. It was, it was, a, uh, it was an education, man. So you definitely should uh, go check out that video if you want. He uh, hopped on at his lush surroundings out there in California, just still looking sunny and nice, and he's sipping his water. Uh, 
And also, I happen to know that James William Lawrence III is a huge belt fan. So stick around to the end, especially on YouTube, because Marquez starts uh, pulling out stuff from his stash. So uh, it's kind of cool. Like we mentioned that people like dug the belts and, uh, and he, he had plenty. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I did see a question a little while back uh, that I wanted to hit on. Uh, Brian Leg asks, uh, what do you think the current wrestling scene would look like if WCW was never pushed off of Turner Broadcasting? Uh, Stinson, why don't, why don't you tackle that first, Doc? Like, what do you think? Like, whoa. I, don't, I don't know. And, and pushed off of Turner Broadcasting, so that would be like, is he just talking about like WCW closed down? Because it was always on Turner, right? Like it was T- TBS yeah. and TNT. And yeah, yeah, and I think I think he's referring to the the sale of WCW to WWE because you know AOL, Time Warner bought um, bought Turner and uh, decided they didn't want to be in the wrestling business, and that's pretty much why they sold to Vince McMahon for so cheap. So I think that's what he's asking, right? Um, it's hard to tell what, what the landscape would be like because, you know, you had Turner with unlimited resources and, uh, and, uh, Vince with a lot of resources, but not, not as many as, as Turner had. Um, so it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I, I would have to defer to, to people who, who have spoken on this with authority, uh, people like Eric Bischoff and, um, uh, and Jim Cornette and, and, and folks like that who know what happened on the inside, um, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, w- would there still be uh, two major promotions buying? I don't know. It's kind of like the two-party system in American politics. It always seems to gravitate that way. Uh, with that, in the absence of WCW, WWE created a two-party system with Raw and SmackDown, and now we've got AEW out there on the horizon that that's providing that competition. So I imagine if 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 WCW had never sold, you would still have something like a Monday Night War, or some kind of competition going on but it's it's hard to tell i mean it's it's there are so many uh, um there's so many detours and, and twists and turns that have happened i mean there have been you know bumps in the market there have been uh situations in the like of uh, in the lives of personal stars that have taken the business in in, in different directions it's really hard to, to surmise what would happen uh but you know it's funny how things are because it's like, man, uh, I feel like with, with AEW and, uh, and, uh, WWE, they're reliving Monday night again, except it's on Wednesday night. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that makes sense. So it seems like the same thing, just, just, uh, now we're in 2020. And, um, uh, so it's hard to tell. With, with less, well, I was going to say with less viewers, you can't, ignore the fact and i think i think um they're mentioned in the chat but like wcw had drastic their their product had drastically gone downhill there at the end um you can attribute that to whatever you want vince russo um or you know as james is mentioning they they put the belt on uh what's his name the actor oh david arquette david arquette yeah, you know, they put the belt on him. There was the finger poke of doom. All the all these issues with Vince Russo and him coming in trying to make waves, and uh, they lost a lot of legitimacy 
uh, there at the end. So it's hard to say if they would have continued, even if the Turner thing uh, hadn't happened, um, or if they would have course corrected and 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 whatever. I mean, it's hard to say. I would like to believe that they'd still be around and we wouldn't have the terrible storytelling and, and creative issues that we have in mainstream wrestling right now. But yeah, it's hard to say for sure either way. I would say too, that it's not as though WCW was the only one that was doing like really crappy stuff. WWE was as well. It's just, they were more committed to perpetuating wrestling. Whereas by that point, Turner had, had grown sour on wrestling as something that was going to, even though, they were still getting ratings and all that. They, they had soured on it as a commodity, as something they want to be associated with. So it's not like, you know, everybody thinks like, again, I'm not here to uh, – you got to go back and listen to what Nick Aldis and and, uh, and James Storm say about Russo. I'm not going to call in here and beat up Russo. Russo was open-minded to ideas. He gets – he's very vilified and, and and all that. And, again, I'm not – I've never been a worker back there. I don't know the climate and all that. And, and there were certain some things that I did not like, like, you alluded to the finger point of doom and putting the belt on Arquette. And it, I think uh, uh, James was talking about the, the belt being passed around like a hooker every couple of weeks. But you know what? They were doing that in WWE too, man. They were passing the, you know, they were, the belt might drop a, a couple times in the span of six or seven days. So it's not like WCW was the only one. It's just that Vince was all wrestling. He was all wrestling and a little bit of XFL, but, uh, and Turner wasn't, you know, they were yeah, a, a well, much more, I mean, uh, WCW was owned by by a company, and right. WWE was owned by a person. And Vince was never Vince is never going to not be a wrestling promoter. Right. So I mean, there's there's no danger. Despite there. his best uh, efforts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but but I mean, you know that that's when the company gets bought that owns WCW, their collateral damage of all that. And yeah, the climate at that time was not one that professional wrestling was looked at very favorably. Um, so, yeah, Vince McMahon was going to weather that storm and yep. see it through, but Time Warner was not. And so they, they ditched WCW. I hate it because I grew up a WCW kid. Yeah. That was, that was what I loved. That's what got me into wrestling. Um, so That's exactly what James is saying. He's like, he says Time Warner didn't want anything to do with wrestling. WCW would have been sold anyway, and he's right. You know, yeah. they, the WWE was more committed. Buzz were putting out crappy stuff. The WWE was more committed to it. <laughs> you know, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I think it's always rich to see, like, uh, Vince McMahon talking about, like, I always uh, go back to the the stories with him uh, when WCW was, like, poaching, like, uh, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. He was getting so mad. And we know, like, Vince McMahon, through his history, like, he helped destroy the, the NWA initially, like, by doing that exact same thing. And then uh, from all uh, – accounts i hear especially nowadays like you can look back on um uh interviews with eric bischoff and and folks like that that when wcw was facing the trouble that it was facing like bischoff has all but i mean maybe he even passed straight out said that he was planning on buying wcw like he had he had gotten everything together and investors to purchase the thing and then all of a sudden it wasn't for sale or had already been sold or it was like all this uh underhanded you know like dealing and stuff like that and then all of a sudden wwe owned it so this mcmahon got his 
got his mitts on it somehow. Um, it's interesting. People always bring that up because I think WCW was like the last time people could remember there being like competition that was legitimately like head-to-head competition with the WWE. People are hoping that uh, it will be AEW. It's just, and, and I think that that's still uh, potentially a possibility. It's just that things have to build up to that. Uh, but one of the things that frustrates people, especially old timers, uh, sorry if that's an offensive term for them, but uh, I think that people like Cornette get really, really passionate and upset because they look at AEW as like the last chance they're going to see in their lifetime of somebody having a chance to put on a legitimate wrestling show against Vince McMahon. They'll bet for them, they, I, they look at it like there's not going to be another opportunity for you to get this right. It show the world what professional wrestling is supposed to be. So when they're doing the newer stuff that they don't approve of and uh, all of that, then they, they get very upset because they're like, well, now I, I think it just feels more loss to them. Um, so in that sense, you can kind of understand it, I feel like. Like you kind of can respect that they're they, – it's just the business that they care a lot about. And it's slipping away from them, from what they they knew it to be. Um, you had your opportunities through time, but nobody's ever come close. I mean, even like TNA, I was interested, like in our, our talk with David Marquez, that, uh, you know, like the separation from NWA from TNA was on TNA's end. Like that was from NWA. Like they pulled out from it. They were like, this is, this is not going to be what we need it to be. So we're out. And that's just kind of interesting. I, I never knew like that side of it before. Um, but, but TNA was probably, you know, the, the reason that it gets talked about as much as it does is like these guys like Aldis and Storm and uh, hell, like your, your people like uh, Samoa Joe and uh, all of these guys that are, I can't think of names right now, but a lot of guys from WWE, uh, are were former TNA talents. That was the last time that like people got scooped up and there seemed to be a chance. It was never what WCW was, but whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool to see people recognize like the different moments. I think um, in the, what, what interview was I just listening to? Was it the Harley race interview where they talked about ring of honor or what was that? Something I was just listening to here recently discussed Ring of Honor a little bit more. Like all the guys that came from Ring of Honor over that are in yeah. WWE. What's that? Yeah. I mean, that, that I was going to say that as you were talking. I, I didn't listen to whatever interview you're talking about. But, I mean, especially in NXT, that seems to be where they've pulled in a lot of their talent. It's from Ring of Honor. And, um so I mean that that's we haven't mentioned them much, but that's a legitimate uh, you know, competition as well. Obviously, if if WWE is poaching a lot of those guys, the, and, and I, poaching is not a, a, a correct way to frame it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of those guys, their goal is to get to WWE. So I, I don't think it's poaching, but you know what I mean. As far as like you look at someone's career trajectory, a lot of those guys are coming from Ring of Honor. 
Yeah, there was there was one of the interviews that definitely came up. I just can't put my finger on which one it was, but they they mentioned Ring of Honor and how uh, during that time. I, I want to say that it was actually Doug Williams and Nick Aldis that like Doug Williams had been in Ring of Honor at a time for a little while when it was like Samoa Joe and Tyler Black, who was Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan and like those guys. Uh, there was like a lot of talent came out of there. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, Ring of Honor was definitely one of those things for a little while. Uh, guys, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I wanted to say, Will, real quick, too. You were talking about getting to WWE. What's what's fascinating to me, too, is that uh, even in an interview with, like, Ricky Starks, like I got to do as on his exit from NWA, we brought up WWE, and he was just like, nobody's talking about WWE. And I was like, well, people don't think that they would even know what to do with you. And he's like, yeah, I hear that, but – I think he was looking at it like I want to I want to have a chance to have my say in that like to see what they do and he was if you go back and listen to it he was very much like and I'm going to do that like this is yeah. this is a ultimate goal of mine is I will still get there even in the presence of like AEW and and, and 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 through this week where we're seeing the rumors that he's definitely going to be challenging Cody Rhodes for the TNT title and, and that sort of thing. Um, Stars was very adamant that like, I mean, I felt like that he was going to be like, no, oh, well, I'm at some point I will be in WWE. Like I will, yeah. I will see. <laughs> and, uh, well, and that's, that's the thing that us as fans, you know, we, we don't, we look at it differently, obviously, than those guys do. I mean, if you are in a um, – not everyone. This isn't a, a broad generalization. But if you're, you're in a field, you want to be at the top, right? I mean, if you're a football player, you want to play for the NFL. You know, if you're a basketball player, you want to play for the NBA. Like, just by nature, that's what the WWE is right now. And, yes, there are guys who they – they probably see it for what it is and they're like, I really don't want to be a part of that. For them, the top of the mountain may be AEW or it may be NWA. Or it may, but for the most part, because of the recognition and the money, let's be honest, money, money talks, like that's the, 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 the destination a lot of guys are aiming for because they can make a crap ton of money doing professional wrestling um, and they're, you know, uh, you know, in their mind, they hope that they can go there like a Ricky Starks and be himself and, and carve out a name for himself in, on the biggest platform in professional wrestling. So, obviously, yeah. Remember that, uh, that Nick, in his uh, discussion with Doug Williams, Nick Aldis points out, too, he's like, you know, I wish I, uh, I, I could have done better in my TNA days, especially early on, but I always felt like I was working towards WWE. So even then, even those guys, it's not like it's just the us that have that in mind. The workers in those days, too, were, like, oriented not towards, like, building their own brand then. They were always working towards that as well. And you, like you said, Will, you can't help it. I mean, with the money and the stature and the prestige and all the things that come with it. Uh, uh, in the, uh, you know, uh, I 
well, I would point something out that happened in the uh, Patreon exclusive today, but I'm not going to do it. But it's a comment that uh, Tom Latimer said along those same lines. But it's always they were always working towards making it to the to the dance, and for them, the dance wasn't TNA or Ring of Honor; it was the WWE. Yeah, true. Shout out to my wife who's joined us, the lovely Natalia Martin. Hashtag put over Natalia. I just She's uh, my favorite. A butcher Lovely her Tanya name Stinson in the chat. In the house tonight too. Uh, Tanya Stinson. Why you got to say it like that, dude? Ever since we posted that pig, man, you always say it like that. Come on, man. I'm right here. I'm right here. Well, I could fix that. Hold on. How do I block? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, let's, let's be honest. My wife's probably watching too. So, <laughs> all due respect, Tanya. Uh, uh, I'm kidding, man. No, you guys, uh, you, you let us know in the chat. What do you want to talk about? Anything else? Because we got to wrap this up eventually For Will's wife gets on his ass and he's got to go to bed. I, I'm going to late tomorrow. Not, hey, it's not my wife. It's me. I got to go to bed. Y'all saw me yawning before we went on, on the air. All right. The coffee, the, coffee, the coffee kicked in, but. You no, know. Don't, act like, don't act like now that she's in the chat like you don't throw her under the bus all the time. Don't, don't play that game. Y'all are going to get me in trouble. Spread in your life. <laughs> We're kidding, Natalia. We're kidding. <laughs> he has nothing but uh, he has nothing but good to say about you. It's like you hung the moon. She did. I saw her. I saw her hand. <laughs> so weird. You did. Never mind. I don't know. What? Um, what? <laughs> started. Now you got to finish. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it was nothing. I don't know. I'm just – I'm just uh, – I'm dying here. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking mm. WWE for the last hour. Of course, we're all dying. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was no. talking about NWA. I'm like, I've read, I've read freaking three chapters in my psychotronic lit book <laughs> during this talk. <laughs> Are we still alive? <laughs> now, we figured, out, we figured out another way. We figured out another way to – uh, disconnect Rob from the conversation if we ever just want him to check out. We'll just start talking about WWE and he'll just kind of start looking around. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He he does. Uh, like, I mean, anytime that came up, he just like, just, he was off. He he didn't even care. Like, I couldn't put it on gallery I just, view. That's not that like I, don't care. The, I do care. I just don't know, man. I You, you guys are, it's like you could have been speaking Croatian. I, I, I've not watched, apart from the last five or six episodes of NXT ever since uh, oh, uh, Bordeaux showed up with her guy. I've been watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. There it is, Gary. Do it. I'm trying, man. It's uh, not happening. You got to start with New York Times, man. You got to start with newspapers. Like, I, it, was, it, was, it was a good three months before I could do that with a bottle cap. So, you got to crawl before you can walk, man. Yeah, there you go. Which one of you posted NJPW in the morning? Was that Will? No. Is that you, Rob? What me? No. I... Who's on our account? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's real weird, man. Uh, I thought you did. Okay, here we go. No, no, we got a good question in the chat. 
Uh, I'm really concerned mind. about who's posting about New Japan Pro Wrestling from our account. It's Will. It says okay. Sharon. It's not me, man. It's not me. I don't. You it's haven't not been me. Even... I swear it's not me. I, I don't think I don't I've got access. that access yet. I don't have access to it. You haven't given me that. You don't trust Apparently, me. Apparently, you got to be on the WWE Network to, to get that access. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, James Lawrence says, who thinks Eddie Kingston should have an angle with Aldis like a Rocky Balboa story? And that is a great question. We actually talked about this on our previous episode, and we all have different opinions. Sounds like James William Lawrence the third needs to actually listen or watch some of this stuff. Hey man, come on, bro. We, we, just, <laughs> hey, we just, <laughs> just giving him hell. This is why. This is why we can't do this, man. This is why we can't have nice fans, Gary. Because you're you're mean to them. Oh man, I just found out that it was Elder Sour from our account. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he still got old access to the uh, Facebook account, so he's had it for a while. So he was just reminding no. us. Uh. He he said that he didn't even know that he was actually logged in on ours. Like he just was posting, and <laughs> he was trying to comment that NJPW was in the morning. But anyway, so there you go. I wrote it. Obviously, New Japan Pro Wrestling is coming on in the morning. <laughs> so, nice. Anyway, James I, uh, James uh, William Lawrence the third. What what do I call you, by the way? Because I can't keep saying that over the time. Every let's single call time. Him, let's call him JWL, man. JWL. 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 JW. 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 Here it is. Let me let me take J-Dub. a stab at that. All right, take and a then, stab. And then the rest of us will jump in. I love Eddie Kingston. Anybody who knows me knows I love Eddie Kingston. I've been following Eddie Kingston since the beginning, uh, since Chikara Pro, um, where he was one of the great. Uh, Chikara uh, Heritage Champions of all time. He, uh, I was at one of his earliest shows ever. I would take my son, who's now in college, to watch him. I was a big wild cards. They were the original wild cards well before uh, Tom Latimer and Royce Isaacs ever even thought of that. And I love Eddie Kingston. I think Eddie Kingston would be a great champion. I don't see him as a long-term champion, though, because he's one of those where you, he doesn't need the belt. Uh, for him, I think the pursuit would be much more interesting than having the belt. And the other thing we have to realize is, especially in a promotion like the NWA, where um, there, there's a certain gravitas about being the champion. Uh, I don't see, I don't see, I see, I see Eddie Kingston holding the belt for you know 30 days and doing his thing. But to be the statesman, to be the face of the company, to be the one that goes out and and uh, makes that beautiful, elegant statement like Aldis made when COVID broke out. I don't see anybody doing that like Aldis does in the on the horizon. I see Aldis holding the belt for a long, long time or holding it many times, uh, uh, one or the other. And I, if there are going to be breaks in the rain, I see uh, a Kingston holding it for a transitional period of time to move the storyline in the company along. And I see a – I see an, a, uh, a um, an Eli Drake perhaps coming in there, or even a uh, a James Storm or something like that. But uh, for me, Eddie Kingston, I really like him chasing the belt so much more, kind of like a, a Ronnie Garvin or a, a Dusty Rhodes. We we mentioned this earlier. We think of Dusty Rhodes as being one of the greats, and Elder Sowers in the chat actually thought that the other day, and and he is for what he did for the company. But as far as wearing the championship belt, I always felt like a what. 
Dusty Rhodes was better chasing the belt and elevating and pushing uh, Flair forward. So that's kind of my take on it. He's deserving of everything. If he were to hold the belt for a thousand days, he would deserve it. I just don't see that uh, uh, the way that uh, the NWA builds its product and carries that belt and pushes things along. That's I, 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 I would love to see a great feud along the lines of a Flair uh, Garvin, a Flair Luger, that kind of thing. But uh, to me, Aldis is going to be the champ for for a long, long time. He's going to be the one that's associated with with Sweet Charlotte. So, what do you guys think? Well, if it's up to Rob, Nick Aldis will be champion until the end of time, and uh, <laughs> that just can't be. That can't be. I no, I agree with you. I think Eddie Kingston uh, makes a much better foe for Nick Aldis and the championship than he would a champion, and. I would honestly be fine in the hypothetical situation that, that is in the chat is that, you know, maybe he doesn't even win the title. You know what I mean? But he, it becomes uh, a, a short to medium, you know, length program that continues because that, that dynamic of, of, you know, as James is mentioning, you know, the, the, the statesman champ that you're talking about versus the street fighter grew up in the Bronx, you know, guy, that's a good, like, to, in my mind, that's a cool, that's a cool, um, you know, angle. And that's, that's interesting. And I can see those guys, man, imagine those guys going off on, on promos on each other. That'd be incredible. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think if, if, if Eddie Kingston were to go over and win the title, I don't, I don't think I would get real excited about that. And because and not because of anything with Eddie Kingston, I'm I'm like you, Rob. I don't think he needs it. He is such a strong character, and he is such a a. Uh, th- there's just so much like meat there when it comes to his character and his promo work, and even his in-ring work. That's like he doesn't need a belt. And guys like that are not a dime a dozen. You know, a lot of guys could benefit from having gold, and he's one of these rare guys that. I, he could he could he could not hold the title at all and he's still going to go down in my book as one of the greats you know and that's mm-hmm. that's a rare thing it's hard to say about a lot of guys um so i could see him coming and just being a key to elevate the title even further you know by not even winning it which which he is one of the few guys that could do that yeah i think the big thing that you would get out of at a kingston run uh a feud with nick aldis would be those promos that's that's been the big thing for me. The selling point the whole time is like, I think when you've got the opportunity uh, to put two of the best promos in the business against each other, you got to take it. You got to you got to shoot your shot. And there it is, Eddie Kingston and Nick Aldis. Just that could build some pay per views, at least not pay per view, probably multiple. And uh, so I would love to see it there. I I don't I, I don't know. It's so weird, like with Eddie because I, I can't put my finger on it right now. I don't know that I accept him as the champion over Nick Aldis, uh, but it could be interesting because then again, nobody sells a match like Eddie Kingston. So it's, it's tough to say, but um, with that thought in mind though, because I think there's been this, like, I'm kind of iffy Rob's kind of if like, Short-term, maybe. Long-term, no. Will's like, yeah, maybe he doesn't win, actually, but blah, blah, blah. So I was asking in the chat, like, who, who, do you, who do you guys think 
like stands out as like the next top guy. Do you see somebody coming in that's able to pull that? I think we've had this kind of talk a little bit before, but just to throw it to the chat, I mean, uh, Tim Woods in there, and I think he's throwing down somebody that uh, probably is in everybody's top five right now, and that's Eli Drake. Um, Eli obviously busting in with the promos and uh, with the uh, skill. Uh, so, so he's somebody uh, that that could potentially be the next top guy after Nick Aldis or to compete with Nick Aldis and share that spot. But uh, where, where do you guys land on, on something like that? Sal Renaro. That's the only answer. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, if you're going to talk about Eli Drake too, I think you got to mention James Storm. I mean, I could see absolutely that going somewhere. And, and, you know, him and Aldous already have that chemistry, that friendship. Um, and they did, you know, I know they had a feud already briefly, um, but, I, you know, I could see that on a bigger stage being played out bigger um, in, in more detail. And that could be a really fun, fun feud. Um, but yeah, James Storm, Eli, any, like any of those guys, um, you know, even if we see some, some dissension in, in strictly business at some point, I could see Thomas Latimer um, getting in there and do, having a singles run. Um, you know, th- those are the those are the ones that stick out to me as guys that I could see with that that championship and being an ambassador for the brand at some point. You look at the NWA roster right now, and, I, and it's smaller than other rosters, but it is stacked. And you just mentioned Tom Latimer, and I always thought that that's kind of our big guy. He would be one that if there were ever friction, uh, he he would compete. You've got Royce Isaacs, who who plays sort of the the uh, junior statesman in strictly business, but this is a guy who was the you know championship wrestling Hollywood champion. You know he was their guy, and uh, and then you look at both James Thorman, Eli Drake, and Nick Aldis all held the TNA World Championship. Uh, so you've got lots of cont- contenders there. I see. Um, I don't see Eli Drake or James Storm like contending to as major, major long-term champions. I see each of them as potentially transitional champions. I don't see anybody on the horizon right now that can displace all this. I don't think either any of those names that we mentioned are technically superior, better athletes, better talkers. I don't think they're superior in any way. Eli Drake brings the charisma, but he's also – he sells himself as sort of that frat boy loose cannon, and that, that's not the kind of guy that holds a championship for very long, um, just just in, in the kind of brand that the NWA has. This is not to say, and, and I know you guys think that I'm this huge, like, all this mark, and I guess I am, of, of what he does for the company, but this is not to say there won't ever be somebody that, that does show up. I mean, someone mentioned Trevor Murdoch in the, in the chat. Trevor Murdoch would be, to me, the perfect, like, Dusty Rhodes foil to the Nick Aldis, Ric Flair, more so than even a James Storm. And, uh, uh, but I don't see that, that guy on there that's, that I don't see a Magnum TA on the horizon. I don't see somebody that's being looked on as the heir apparent right now to Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis is young. He's in the midst of one of the historic title reigns in the history of wrestling, going back to 1905. Um, and this is one that's going to keep going on. And, and I don't think this is the first either, or, this, or the, this is his second reign, but I think that you're looking at a title change coming up, an Eli Drake or a, uh, an Eddie Kingston or somebody like that. But then you're going to see more protracted reigns of Nick Aldis uh, going on. I mean, he's going to be one of the ones. In my book, 
Nick Aldis is so good with what he does technically and on the mic and the way he is uh, – just the, the authority that he carries. He's going to be the one that we talk about 100 years from now as being – this was the era of Aldis. Like the, the 80s were Flair, the 90s were Sting and, uh, and, and so forth. You know, the 70s were Harley Race, the 60s were Luthez. The, 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 the 2020s, this is the era of Aldis, man. No doubt. We're living in it right now. Hey man, I'm I'm a guy that I don't think that I've ever been like an Aldis uh, shill. This is like the fiftieth time that word's been used here, but um, I'm asking the question because I'm legitimately curious, and that because I'm legitimately looking out at. Uh, I just want to share that nobody can see my screen, but at the top, uh, it's all three of us up there, and Rob is reaching over to his left, and Will is coming from his right with a pencil to his face, and it looked like Rob was just poking Will in the face with a pencil, and I wish I had screenshot that. <laughs> inside thing, man. We got a new app, Gary. We got a new app that we haven't shared with you yet. <laughs> I was like, man, I wish I could have screenshot actually... it. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually at Rob's house. I forgot to tell you. It's <laughs> so weird. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm looking through here and I'm seeing like Dave mentioned Eli Drake, uh, Eddie, and uh, Jack Stane. I see Alan Crow in there with Tom Latimer. I see uh, J Dub with James Storm. Elders with Jax. Alan Crow says Zicky dies. Ha ha ha! He's making a joke, but hey, man, he's hot and fasterizing. Uh, but but then I kind of land with uh, Mr. Eldersour here at the very end. The reason I'm asking is because legitimately I feel similar to this. Eldersour says in the chat, the next big NWA star to face Aldis isn't on the roster yet. It'll be someone new with a quick rise. Um, I don't know about someone new with a quick rise. I see potential in like even an older star that could come forth. I legitimately the other day retweeted a thing where somebody was talking about Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, like both of those guys, specifically Cesaro, but like even Shinsuke Nakamura, both of those guys I feel like are dudes that are like absolutely underutilized. But if you bring in a Cesaro right now into the NWA, that is like Luthez back from the dead. Like, like that is like Luthez reincarnated right there in the middle of the ring that's how i feel about cesaro i feel like that guy is as good as anybody in the business right now and he he could quickly establish himself in the nwa and make himself carrier of the 10 pounds of gold like that would be the ultimate challenge for somebody like nick aldis uh but yeah i don't see anybody on the current roster right now if i'm being perfectly honest i don't see anybody that's there that i feel like could take that belt and run with it like nick aldis does that could make that brand like i feel like when you're trying to like separate like if you want to separate the 10 pounds of gold from nick aldis it's got to be because you're thinking that 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 this is the next step in the elevation of the brand and i don't think that person exists uh right now well you think like i think back to what many people think and, and i'd love to hear elder sour comment on this we think back to rick flair at the height of his glory 86 87 88 and the man that 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 might have displaced them long term walks out a person from his past and who is it eddie gilbert's mystery partner 
Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, right? So Nick Aldis, a man from his past with legitimate main event credibility, a hero, someone from Nick Aldis's past. Did we get a clue this week? Doug Williams. Yeah. I mean, I you heard, I, it. You heard it here. <laughs> I mean, Doug Williams is is quite the possibility. Uh I mean, the thing is, is like I I have no doubt that like Doug Williams coming in, Nick Aldis will also be invested as invested as he's ever been. You can you can hear that from this past week's what's called an Aldis. You know that Nick Aldis will respect and appreciate any chance to have a feud with Doug Williams. Um, so I I for one eternally welcome that, but. Is that a legit possibility to take the NWA championship and run with it? Do, do you feel like that? I'm not saying run with it. I don't. Th- I don't know that. Like Elmer Sauer, I don't know that we that that guy's on the horizon. But uh, and we're talking about the next person to 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 take the belt and have a a run. And of course, I th- again, I, I stand by it. All this is going to hold the belt for a long, long time, or he's going to hold it a bunch of times. But this this will be the decade of all this. Who's the next on the horizon to take the belt? I mean, it, it could be any of those names. And I'm thinking Doug Williams is somebody that has, like, legitimate statesman-like character. He's from that British tradition. All this would clearly do the the favor. And he wouldn't have to do the favor. Doug Williams could do it. He could take the belt. And, uh, and he would be an immediately internationally respected title holder with legit mic skills, with legit technical ability, in-ring gravitas, and authority. Uh, do I see him like doing it for, you know, for holding it for a year? No, but six months, perhaps. Uh, Elder Sauer He's not going to run with it. Uh, Eric Young in the chat as someone mm-hmm. from his past. I, that yeah. guy's got to land. Yeah, that's a good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're right. I mean, again, we're, we're thinking we're we're trying to. Uh, let's not let's not kid ourselves here. This rain may go on and on and on for for a thousand days, man. It, it may it may go on. It may be a long, long time. It may be another two or three years before we see this, and I would welcome that too. But uh, it's got to be the right person. It's like a it's like we were talking about the other day. Whenever it happens, it's got to be important. It's got to be to the right person. They're not just going to do a title switch just to do it, just to just to stir up and, and, and waking up the attention spans of people. That's not what the NWA is about. Uh, we're, we don't, we don't, um, the NWA doesn't cater to people with short attention spans. They, they cater to people with people that have a grasp, uh, a grasp on history and the weight of, of things. So uh, well, it's da- not da- just da- going to happen. Well, no, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, Dave, Dave brings up an interesting point kind of related to what you're saying in the chat. He mentions that all this just needs some, feuds to keep building up the strength of the title he sees all this as another flair losing the belt eventually to help build another star but having several title runs i think uh rob that's the thing you've you've said previously too is that you know when when you're talking about uh nick aldis that he's young he's gonna have multiple days combined uh he made you know, he 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 may drop it here and there, but he's gonna he's gonna rival like the top contenders as far as like multiple title raids and that sort of thing. So, um, right, I think he's six years younger than Flair was at this point in his career. 
That's a that's a lifetime. Some wrestlers don't last more than six years. If you think of Edge, one of the greats, and I know he's come back, but Edge, you know, he had a relatively short career because it was cut short by injury and all that. You know, I mean, it's like six years is a long time, man. So, and he's that much younger than Flair was at this point in, in reign number two. So, you know, it's I'm funny. The, oh, go ahead, Will. I'm sorry. I'm to the point, like you know, <clears throat> and I think I bring a little bit of a different perspective because I haven't been um, as into the NWA for the amount of time that you guys have. Um, And I'm coming from, you know, that mainstream wrestling and things like that. But, but I see value in those title changes in terms of elevating the title. Um, I see value. We've talked about it before. I I do see value in, in lengthy title reigns as well, but um, I feel like we're at a point where the next evolution probably needs to happen soon of, of the title. And if that evolution is, let's have a transitional uh, champion to get it back to Aldis, just to kind of renew the, the passion. Because, I mean, 600 days, right? We, we came up on that this week. I mean, that's a long time to not see the title change hands. It's respectable. But as wrestling fans, like those, those, those title changes are exciting, uh, no matter if you want to see it or not. Um, I mean, and I say that talking about the NWA because they're actually, they make sense. They're not exciting in WWE and, and things like that anymore because it's, you can see it once a week almost. But I feel like we are at a point where we need to see that so we can be reminded uh, of what it looks like for Aldis to win a title. Um, and so anybody on that list would be great, in my opinion, to have a feud with Aldis, win the belt on a big stage somewhere, a pay-per-view or something like that, and then, you know, have Aldis chasing it again. I think that would, would almost renew and elevate him even more. Um, but I think, you know, that's something I've wanted us to talk about a lot is the value of, those transitional champions and things like that, because while, while it is hard for me at this point to see anyone outshine Nick Aldis because of what he's done for the NWA, what he's done for the NWA title, um, I almost think it's necessary at this point. Does that make sense? And maybe there's some people that totally disagree with me uh, and that's fine, but I, I almost feel like we, we need to see some movement so that, you know, it, it can, not that it's gotten boring. I mean, it can't get boring. There's no wrestling on, on NWA wrestling on TV right now or anything. So, um, but I think when it comes back, um, and I don't think that Marty Skrull was the person that that needed to go to or Cody. I think it needs to be somebody in the NWA uh, because we haven't seen that yet. You know, we've seen Tim Storm and then Aldis won it and then Cody then back to Aldis and then that's where it's been for the past 600 some odd days. And I think it's time. It's going to bring some more legitimacy within the NWA to see someone like an Eli Drake or a James Storm or even a a Josephus, you know, I know he's not officially part of the NWA, but, you know, do something with him as, as a transitional champion or an Eddie Kingston who we started this conversation off with. I think just doing something like that when we get back to wrestling is going to reinvigorate um, the title. It's going to reinvigorate Aldous in the long run and us as, as the fans. 
I got to tell you, just listening to you talk about it right there, I mean, everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Um, but I, if I'm going to see somebody strip this title off of Nick Aldis, I need to believe it. I need to – I need it to be – I'm not saying it has to be some long-term champion. I mean, we talked a lot, I think, on one episode about like a Sting or somebody like that who, even if it's just a short period of time. Um, but I just, I, I don't know, man. I can't see it being somebody. Nick Aldis looks like any one of the champions from any of the other promotions would have a hard time taking that title off of him. And... I, I believe him. And so whoever's going to do it, I need to believe they could do it. I, I want it's that. Like the, uh, on the Flair 30 for 30, it's already cut you off. I thought you were <laughs> The Flair 30 so for 30. I was talking uh, too much? Yeah, I got it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, man. He says, uh, he says you know, I, uh, I, I liked Hogan, but I felt, I believed Ric Flair, you know, and, that's the thing with all this. It's like, and I hear what you're saying, uh, Will. I, I totally do. At some point, it's going to happen. I don't know that there's an urgency about it. It's going to happen when it's the right time, and none of us can really get put our finger on when that is. You think back to like 1986 with Magnum TA, who was the heir apparent. That was probably the right time to do it. But as things turned out, it didn't happen that way. And right now, whether it be um, Kingston or Eli Drake or Doug Williams, it just doesn't seem like, I don't get a sense right now that it's the right time. Right now, I'm with Gary. I, I, I just believe Nick. I think he carries – like, when he comes out, there's authority behind it. It's like it's like a head of state comes out. I mean, when, when he speaks, he speaks with authority. When he wrestles, he wrestles with authority. I don't see any of them as his technical equal in the ring. I don't see any of them that compete with him on the mic. I don't see any of them that can be the flagship that he can now that will happen at some point someone will come but we don't have to be you know i don't think there's a sense of urgency about it those things and that's what i like about the nwa is it's so organic the nwa is very responsive they they have their ear to the to the audience and to the fan base when it's right it'll happen but this is not the time you know it's, it doesn't seem right to me yet you guys have been beautiful you've been hanging in with us this whole time we went forever Tonight on Facebook Live, it's our first time on Facebook Live. I I, uh, I don't know if there's other stuff these guys want to talk about, but I know we got to slowly start wrapping it up. We all have wives, and uh, Will Will needs to go to bed. He's sleepyhead. I can see it. <laughs> he was yawning before we started this thing, um, and uh, I think Will has to go to work in the morning. And so, uh, Rob, do you have to go to work in the morning? I'm an administrator, so yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Had to work uh, I'm gonna something. be. I'm going to be thinking about you guys while I'm drinking beer by the lake. And uh, <laughs> so, and I'll be up before you. I'll go, I'll go to bed at one and wake up at four, man. I'll, I'll right. have to brag. Yeah, I know. Listen to this guy. Listen to this but guy. Then I'll be back in bed. I'll be back in bed at noon, you know, and I'll be, I'll duck away in the, in one of the dark corners of the, in the nurse's office or something where no one goes. Take there a little go. power nap. All right, so we're going to wrap this thing up for you guys. Thank you so much for everybody that tuned in on Facebook Live because this has been a blast. It's been fun talking to these guys like it always is. We were going to go live on YouTube and technical difficulties forced us over here. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm staring at the thing thinking like, 
oh, Facebook should definitely be a part of the stuff we do on the reg because a lot of uh, people have been in and out on this thing. And uh, some of you have stuck with us the whole time. And there's still people in the chat right now and watching online. Thank you guys so much. If you aren't already following us at the NWA pod, it's facebook.com at the NWA pod. It's uh, Twitter, it's Instagram, the NWA pod, all of it, except for uh, TikTok because somebody effed that up for us, but it's NWA pod on TikTok. But Will's also on TikTok. He actually has content. The, the podcast does it. <laughs> um, anyway, so all of that stuff, make sure you check it out. YouTube.com. If you're just feeling froggy and you want to go to YouTube.com slash the NWA pod and hit subscribe, we'd be forever grateful because it just helps us get in front of more people. We thank you guys so much for what you're doing for us. I am at this is Gary Horde from my personal account. These guys, why don't you tell them where you're at? I am at Hey It's Will over here. There it is. Uh, at Hey It's Will, pretty much on every social network except TikTok, which I am now active on. So go follow me on TikTok. And my uh, username over there is at Real Hey It's Will, because apparently there's some phony Hey It's Will out there. I don't know. I have that screen name on every other social network. Uh, it's not like a guy imitating me or anything, it's just another guy. And that's, he got that screen name. It's bogus, but whatever. Um, so yeah, go follow me on TikTok. I'm trying to make TikTok more of like a place for wrestling fans. There's some pretty good wrestling content. I might start doing parts of my daily show on TikTok, reacting to tweets and things like that and sharing some news. So go follow me over there. If you don't think it's a place for wrestling content, now it is. So go check it out. Um, I am at rstinson4 on Twitter. On YouTube, you can find me at Stinson Vision. That's not going to last much longer. I'm going to eventually put all of Stinson Vision stuff over on uh, at the NWA pod um, just because of a little mishap earlier this week that these guys are still bitter about. But uh, <laughs> Nobody has and, acted And uh, I'm on uh, MySpace. You can find me on MySpace under the name, uh, under the name Tom. Uh, that's me. <laughs> On MySpace, if you're still if you're, <laughs> TikTok, I've not gotten into yet. I'm a, <laughs> that is a weirdly dated joke that I actually <laughs> laughed at, and I'm so disappointed <laughs> in you and myself. <laughs> <laughs> I still, it's like I tell that joke, and, and uh, my daughter Piper, she's like, "You have been telling that joke for nine years. It's over. I'm gonna that let is, it go." That is the definition of a dad joke. <laughs> like it, it really yeah. is. But at our Stinson 4, and right now Stinson Vision, I do uh, uh, Piper's Notes. Uh, you see Piper's Notes right above me. If you if you go to YouTube and just type hashtag Piper's Notes, you'll find the channel. Our content comes out every Friday. Of course, we do the uh, Tuesday night stuff with uh, with This Is The NWA podcast, and eventually we'll migrate all our stuff over to uh, This Is The NWA uh, just to uh, make sure that we're getting those likes and views and all that those, those hours in. Um, other than that, man uh, – Appreciate you guys watching in. We enjoy doing this. These are my best buds. And uh, and uh, if you uh, like what you see, keep coming back. Guys, I, uh, I just freaking bit yeah. that. Finally, uh, <laughs> finally bit uh, it in half. <laughs> it just happened for me. Like, during <laughs> – no, during uh, Rob's thing, I just – just 
finally made it bent in half. That's how mad you got at his dad joke. He was like, oh, it's like, I can't believe a channel like Carly race. Catching a fly with chopsticks, man. <laughs> he you catch fly with chopsticks, accomplish anything. Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. We love you all so much. We hope you follow us and all of those things. Take care, and uh, we'll see you next time. Enjoy your gravy cake. That feels like a good closing, right? Enjoy your gravy cake. All right. And we are, we are stopped live stream.